Hello and welcome to episode 272 of The Crate and Crowbar. My name is Chris Thurston and joining me tonight on the 13th of February, Tom Senior. Hello. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I always fail to say that word. It's a good start to a podcast. And Alex Wiltshire. Hello. <laughs> Excellent. We can talk whole sentences and might. We'll see. So, uh, oh, from that jovial beginning, I was trying to think if there was a way of, <laughs> sort of like, segueing into the news without it being like, oh, there's your friendly intro. Hello, everyone's here. Anyway, here's a cool glass of shit. <laughs> Pour me that cool glass of shit, Chris. Well, uh, so shit news. So there's been a lot of shit news lately, sort of industry wise, both in terms of media and, uh, uh, games, uh, sort of across corporate culture. Hmm. The, the specifically shit news this week, um, being about, uh, many hundreds of people being made redundant at Blizzard following, uh, an earnings Activision call. Blizzard. Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the top, top line on it is essentially, although we'll go into more detail, is that, um, following one of those earnings calls that is, uh, serving, uh, too many masters to really, um, be a, a, a passable bit of communication in a lot of ways. Um, record profits lead to an 8%, was it an 8% layoff? Yes, I believe so. Um, of the company, which is not unfamiliar in terms of the things that happen in the games industry or tech more broadly, but certainly not a story people have traditionally associated with Blizzard, hmm. um, who are or have been for a long time one of those companies that you don't tend to see talk about uh, having to make cuts or having to, um, and then having to, in scare quotes, sort of, um, s- spend less, you know, to, to get, uh, the product through. I think that, that culture buoyed as it was by never having a failure, I guess, um, we had always been to at least present this, uh, appearance of kind of, um, sort of beneficent kind of like we'll pay what it needs and we'll we'll take as much time as it takes to to do a blizzard game and this and that i feel like that uh that sense of the company had been eroding for a long time and this feels like a very uh, abrupt uh change of gear for that narrative and now we're fully in that's a shit thing to do to 800 year employees territory what I don't really know is kind of what kind of people that they're picking to. So uh, it was so it's predominantly, as far as I'm aware, and I appreciate. I think there's been because there's been a lot of Twitter about this and things. It's easy to kind of like I think even the 800 number is an extrapolation from eight yeah. percent. So I don't want to be too exact about that. Um, but I believe it was predominantly um, sort of like community marketing and esports people. Yeah. Um, you know they they completely cancelled Heroes of the Storm's esports scene recently. So I have to assume that there's support staff there um, that haven't found new teams and whatever. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how many, I, I did see a, a report that, for example, the World of Warcraft team wasn't affected at all. Mm. So I don't know how many development teams. So, the, so one not that that makes a difference really, but one report I saw said that, um, that, that Activision Blizzard are going to be piling in the resources that remain, uh, into like the, the big, the big properties. So COD, Overwatch, Diablo, World of Warcraft, um, those kind of things. Right. Uh, Candy Crush, I think as well. Um, so, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether, um, am I right? You know more about the esports than I, than mm. I do. The electric um, sports. 
But I've read a few things lately talking about a bubble in terms of it, where teams yeah. and things have been far outvalued what their actual kind of uh, mm. incomes are. And, you know, I don't know whether the eSport contingent of this is related to that. Um, I, I've had that feeling for a little while, to be honest. Like, um, I feel like that, and I, it's funny, like, it feels like it's, it's less that I got the impression of a bubble bursting necessarily so much as the, the failure of certain expected things to happen over successive years. Like, um, it, it does, you know, from time to time, you'll see a big non-endemic sponsor come into esports, but it doesn't happen often enough to be a trend or like to be anything other than, oh, okay, well, this year, uh, League of Legends has managed it again, or the Overwatch League, which has a lot of money put into it, has managed to attract somebody. Like, there was this feeling a couple of years ago when I was doing much more esports stuff than I am now, that that uh, a, a status quo where that is completely normal and it's a self-sustaining, growing business was months away and it feels like it's been months away for mm. years mm -hmm. and that i think is probably the sensation that describes the outer boundaries of a bubble if that makes sense spatially yeah. like it's like that you don't feel it in terms it's of the milton Keynes of the bubble yes exactly it's the basingstoke ring road <laughs> of um of <laughs> of sort of industry trends industry i can pronounce that word um I don't know how much that all feeds into this because, you know, I think that I've, I felt this way for a long time that Blizzard's esports have, with the exception of StarCraft, have always been, um, somewhat ad hoc things. I think Overwatch is in a much better state now, but it's, it's taken a really substantial investment by them to, to make it, to make fetch happen in that particular regard. Um, fetch did not happen with Heroes of the Storm and that I don't think uh, was much to do with their, in, well, their investment partly, but it's also the game itself. Blizzard tend to design esports games and that's maybe bitten them in that regard. And maybe they overinvested or got overexcited about the possibility of it. That doesn't necessarily, um, that wouldn't necessarily account for 9% of their total staff though. So I wouldn't want to mm -hmm. say this is no. just the East, you know, this, uh, <clears throat> decision by them or by Activision or by both. I wouldn't say it's purely, oh, here's the esports bubble bursting. I think it's, yeah. it's something. Well, it, you know, broader. I think what's, and looking at the broader picture, uh, also had results for Take Two and EA, mm. who, uh, EA underperforms, you know, you know, compared to, um, uh, expectation. Take Two is a bizarre one because, you know, uh, Red Dead Redemption came out, has done 23 million sales, uh, GTA continues to sell, you know, GTA 5 continues to sell incredibly well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, constantly in the charts, constantly top kind of, uh, uh, revenue selling thing. And, uh, investors also, uh, ran off from, from Take Two as well. I, I look at this as a, a as a completely investor driven yeah. piece of bullshit. Yeah, when I was kind of saying that 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 earnings call, like any earnings call, serves too many masters to be useful as an act of communication, it's because it's all it's aimed solely at, at stakeholders, and yeah. and and that means that in terms of what it means for 
well, it communicates a, a vast uh, disregard for the people who do the labor of making the thing. What make the money come in, to well, be honest? Is, I mean, but, it, I think it's sort of like I, I think those investment messages and these, these kinds of earnings yeah. calls, they are n- not – the messaging is all about, hey, investors, we've got your best interests at heart, which is totally different from – the interests of the workforce and yeah. totally different from the interests of, of game players and fans. And like the, you, it's very difficult to actually know what this means for staff and it's impossible to know what it means for the games. For a lot now. of the tone in, in that investigal, like it's bullish. It's like we're, we're doing this for the players. A lot of that. So they kind of weave that narrative into yeah. this cold kind of like calculated. Obviously, you know, business calculation that they've made that this needs to happen. And it sounds as though they're, uh, Blizzard isn't going to be releasing any major games this year. And mm. so there are a lot of marketing staff that won't necessarily be needed there. And, you know, th- th- maybe some of this shrink down is just part of that. It's just the ebb and flow of r- releases in, within that company. Uh, it certainly seems that they're, you know, the whole point of it is also to communicate that, like, we're doubling down on our known quantities. Well, uh, yeah. We're going back to, you know, developing our main, yeah. our main franchises. And, and they kind of also suggest that they're going to actually be investing more in development teams and actually, you know, ramping up development, if anything else. Um, but I think, and, you know, businesses do change size and change tack and they have to be able to in order to survive. Um, my problem with this is the way that the employees were treated specifically in, in, in this instance, like, um, there are reports of, you know, these employees, rumors of this sort of thing has been, have been circulating for months and the, the people hugging and crying in the car park before this invest, investor meeting, this investor statement, um, because they know that, that some of their heads are on the chopping block, but no one knows what. And that's just fucking unacceptable way to treat people yeah. who are making your, your products. And, and the, the idea that, you know, oh, one line, like some of these, people who are, who made redundant like they heard from the news they didn't hear from you know communication within the company and stuff like mm. that uh, is uh, it's absolutely appalling it's mm. the, the way those people have been treated mm. Mm. and far too common as well well absolutely this is yeah that's another good point that it, it doesn't tend to happen at this scale but this is how the games industry works all over the world and actually a lot of it um happens overseas it doesn't happen in america like it's about the subsidiaries that people use in eastern europe or you know mm. further afield and those people are just like mercilessly you know yeah. hired and fired and contracted around you know it, it, it's uh it's a very difficult business to be a creator within the the machine basically you yeah. you are a resource that can be hired and fired at yeah. any point yeah something that makes me nervous about this in a sort of in a more abstract sense but when you see that sort of we're making these decisions for the players uh, rhetoric creep into shareholder briefings, essentially, you've got to think about the sort of the, how we arrived at that point, because it feels like the, the two places you see that or that sort of rhetoric is, is now at that, that sort of top end here, you know, we're going to appeal to our uh, VCs and, and our potential backers and our, our shareholders by saying that we are, you know, player focus necessarily and you see it at the other end of the spectrum which blizzard felt very keenly very recently with the the rude diablo man right the is this a joke diablo immortal guy mm. you see it that same that the, that same language appear at what is often the most sort of um reactionary part of like um consumer rights ish games media and also sort of fan backlashes and things and i i worry that 
those uh because and what that that phenomena squeezes developers and creators basically in the games industry from both sides Mm -hmm. because you know as much as it has been written about it and as much as blizzard once did at blizzcon mike morheim standing up and and publicly renouncing gamergate in basically no uncertain terms as much as can be done on that and that side to try and create a better dialogue and and to just like to to formally distinguish um you know player expectations and making you know player friendly decisions from player entitlement and what is acceptable conduct from communities online and that kind of thing for all that effort it feels like companies have a sense that um you know shareholders may not see the day-to-day workings of the company they may not care tremendously about the nuance of a product but they do notice if players are up in arms about something and mm. and the players are threatening to walk out on mass and so if the if the execs at the top of the company feel that it's appropriate for them to kind of um court the approval of reactionary players in order to avoid that kind of backlash in order to uh, essentially send a message to their shareholders we're not going to set off uh, a cavalcade of of petitions against our company and, and products this year. I worry that that group, which everyone was kind of hoping, that sort of angry, entitled group that everyone was hoping would sort of fade into, sort of the the woodwork as, as adults enter the room, will gain power as they are pandered to in this yeah, kind of way. Yeah. And, and and what that results in is essentially developers uh, getting harassed from both sides. You know, getting come up from the groundswell of unhappy players, sort of. And, and obviously it's okay to criticize work, but the, the way that people can be dogpiled on the way that mm. these movements, um, can target people from one side and that stuff spooking the people holding the money at the end of the day to the extent that the actual working environment for developers becomes far more unstable and it becomes far more likely that your company makes brutal cuts because th- at this point, nobody is valuing the work that you're doing sufficiently. Players aren't and shareholders aren't via an exec that is sort of stepping over the developer to cater directly to the player, which doesn't make any sense, but it's a position that a surprising number of people adopt. Yeah. I, just, I wonder what the, you know, what the negative incentive is here. Like, is it in recruitment? Like, why would you go and work for Activision? Yeah. When you've seen how they can treat you, you know, are you, you going to move across a massive country like America and move your family across knowing that they can just do that to you at any moment. What I mean, company doesn't though? Well, that's, that's the thing. thing. That's, yeah, it's the core. Cool that's the there. thing. And it's, it's the, it's the issue with passion to some extent. Mm. It's the fact that people love the idea of getting to make things that they care about. Like, yeah. All of us in this room have felt this and experienced this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it exposes you to some extent to, uh, and, um, it is difficult to protect your rights and also, get to do the thing you dream about Mm. doing the thing that sucks. Um, and this is why it's such a big glass of, of poo is that that exists regardless whether you're doing something you're passionate about. (laughs) So it sometimes feels that at least in a sort of white collar sense, um, you know, these jobs, it's almost like you may as well get dicked around making something you care about than getting dicked around making something you don't. Mm. But that, is also how they get you. So <laughs> it's really sad. My heart goes out to all the um, Activision Blizzard employees who receive that news in such a cold and hard way and have to mm. realize their entire lives around it now. Um, that's a yes, it. Yes, it, it really, it. really sucks. Um, I think the only, 
the only sort of potential, not not even sort of lining light at the end of the tunnel for this stuff is that ultimately, though, game development is an enormously skilled, you know, expertise-driven thing that isn't possible without um, people to do it. And I, you know, hopefully we get to a point where now that distribution is so much more straightforward in a lot of ways, etc., that these big corporate apparatuses that are capable of abusing people at this scale um, lose some of their sway. Like that, that would be my, not hope, because I don't want anyone to, well, I don't want, you know, I don't want people to, whose lives to be thrown into disarray. Hmm. But I think you have to wonder nowadays about the, the role of a, a really big publishing company in an industry that is increasingly about smaller, you know, single properties, mid-sized studios, that kind of thing. Maybe I'm talking bollocks. Time will tell. Time will tell. Uh, a little extra little um, tidbit, and it was the Activision side of the Bungie thing, mm. where uh, Activision said, we, we're happy to get rid of them because, you know, for them not to be with us anymore, uh, because that means they don't have to support that game anymore. And the interesting thing from that, you know, like uh, that game being Destiny, um, uh, there's a little bit about the fact that the Forsaken update hadn't, you know, hadn't had the success that they were hoping for. Um, but then the, the, the interesting part thing in it is that it was actually taking up, of course, other studio time, other Activision studio time. Right. Um, I can't remember the Vicarian's visions and mm. one other one I can't remember, but they, you know, they worked on a lot of what Forsaken is. And a lot of so. the PC uh, conversion port work was exactly. done by Vicarious visions. Yeah. yeah. And there's another studio as well, which I think actually designed and, and made mm. yeah, there's a lot of expansion content. Um, uh, you know, so, so in getting rid of, of destiny, they've actually freed up resources that they, they say they claim. Yeah. But, and th- then, but then that was seemed, at least the way it was PR'd was it's a mutual parting of ways, and actually Bungie gets to keep their IP and they to keep their studio, get to keep making stuff. It wasn't like an investor call that suddenly just switched off a load of jobs. In the you know, yeah, exactly. It's just such a different type of. I mean, yeah. it's almost the way you you want things to go. You know, people so Bungie can go off and just keep on being successful on their own terms, um, but they have not been just let go of or shattered or smashed apart. Which yeah, you know. Yeah, man. I mean, this this process is. I've been talking about you know last week and this we can we can maybe segue off this. So last week when we talked about you know Apex Legends, mm. it was sort of oh hey look this has happened and it's really good. Um, it's been it's a week later and now it's huge. Mm. You know it's um what's the latest? Is it, it was, two million? I think they've had oh, twenty five million players. Twenty five so million players, two million, two million concurrent. concurrent. Yeah, concurrent, yeah. yeah. yeah extremely healthy yeah very good um and i you know i feel i'm i, I what my feeling about it was i'm really happy for respawn because mm. i feel like they, they deserve a hit because like, they always felt like they oh god but this titan is, fall too oh god yeah but but like you know um let's think about it right the this is the you know respawn respawn's founding was a story because these are the people that made call of duty a thing mm. and they didn't invent call of duty but they were the people that did they? Yeah, I think so. I think Zampella. I think Zampella was. I think they were on Call of Duty One. Yeah, but nonetheless, right? It wasn't a thing until Modern Warfare, right. and you know, and the era of the last 
15 years of multiplayer shooters is entirely defined by their work so it feels like it's a bit overdue that they return to that and do it again mm. you know what i mean like this you know co- coherently demonstrate t- skill in an in a space because i think T- titanfall did that but it was too niche mm. um and they did twice and it was also <laughs> sent out in, in old times a year and it wasn't really given a chance i think yeah the second extent. game was um Within seven days of uh, Battlefield One and seven days of the of Call of, Call Duty, of Duty Infinite, yeah, Infinity even, um, which is a remarkable time to release a shooter <laughs> between the other two. <laughs> yes, yeah. we pointed uh, it out last week, but like, and they've sent out Apex Legends in all, at exactly the right time to do exactly that same, to anthem. To anthem. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on at EA. It's a very puzzling <laughs> pattern. Yeah, uh, and I've, but I think, but I think you can point to you know. It's taken a couple of years, but I'm quite pleased for Respawn that they've got a success like this. Because, yeah, you know, you know, um, it, it feels like, I don't know what obviously the future for that is necessarily, but despite obviously the fact that it's an origin game and it's, it's part of the EA apparatus, it very much feels like a one studio sort of project. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it's been, you know, yeah. kind of cobbled together out of the work of 16 different satellite studios making yeah. maps and stuff. It's very much like a coherent, yeah. you know, set of, designers and artists making a thing mm. um which and a bit of is de- great. like and design like it's it's not just the it's real design it's like, yeah it's a it's a it's a coherently designed thing like the what the systems all complement each other yeah so it makes for quite like talking about triple a stuff and how doomy and gloomy it be it makes for quite a kind of happy success story like i don't think ea's positioning of it makes any sense <laughs> at all um and in fact it sounded like i mean i think it was vince ampella who said that it was it was respawn that decided to just release it really yeah with no with no warm-up <laughs> because they didn't want people to be disappointed it wasn't titanfall 3 so if they announce it yeah then there's six months of oh, well not, we're about the robots oh, i can't believe you're just doing battle royale kind of thing <laughs> yeah and then it comes out and people maybe like it whereas mm. this is just like you get that out people still say that but they don't, almost don't have time to say that because they're too busy downloading it and also enjoying it and, and then enjoying great. it because it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, cause that, that felt like an extremely un EA move. Um, un-EA. 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 It was an extremely un EA move. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And it's great. And like, I mean, I remember, um, I, uh, Marsh was around, uh, you know, last week, I think. Mm, and yeah. Yeah. And I went for a, a coffee and I said, I've been playing that new, um, respawn thing that came out last night. Um, and, and maybe this is a very marsh stance. It was like, is it doomed? Like he was like, Oh, is it doomed? And I was like, <laughs> no, I don't think it is. It's really, you know, everything might be okay. <laughs> yeah. It's this like, time. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, like, have we all been playing Apex now? Cause I, I rambled on about it last week, but. Yeah, I've played about 10 games of it. I've also gone back to Titanfall 2 again, just to play through the single player campaign after <laughs> right. playing it. Um, and man, respawn are good. <laughs> They're just really good at making running and jumping and sliding and shooting feel fucking amazing. Like, I must, uh, so I'm not very good at the shooting though. There's something I've, I've struggled it with. Takes, this thing. It takes a it while. Takes a certain, it's a certain feel that I haven't quite crossed. I've probably played, I don't know, 20, 30 matches or something mm. now. I've so. played a lot of it. I don't want to tell much. <laughs> um, I, so, I mentioned this on to you. Yeah, yeah. I've had a significantly higher quality game on PS4 than I have on PC. Mm, interesting. Found PC people going off on their own, uh, mm. not marking anything, not using the contextual cool tools, communication tools, um, 
and being dicks. And I've only had one extremely petulant little boy, little French boy. And that was my only really annoying experience <laughs> on, it was last night. And, uh, and I would say that every other word was a French, French swear word that I knew, like, mm. uh, Poutin. Got that quite a lot. Mm. And I, this was at me. I could tell it was me. I got very jump? angry because I was a jump, jump master as well. Jump master is the person when you're in the vehicle, when you're in the fl- flying over the map at the start of the round, um, one of the team of three is, gets to be jump master and you choose mm. when your mm. team of three is going to jump out of the vehicle. You can, you can and pass it on where to the going. Person. You can pass it on and anybody can jump on their own if they want. But usually you stay together. Mm. Ah, putain, putain. Like, oh, it's so good. And, uh, <laughs> the others, the other people I play with, it's just been like, just, they've, I've never had open comms to, to be so attractive. This is on, this is all on PS4. You know, when you first hear it, you hear the sort of, like the scratchy noise and think, oh God, how do you switch off? I couldn't find anywhere in the, in the menus to, um, switch off, uh, audio from other, from teammates. Uh, and, but actually everyone's been really nice. There was, uh, there was this, uh, northern, uh, uh, couple of lads who, who were just really excited about everything that happened and like, he's in the building, he's in the building, he's in there. And I got like, this is good. This is like, we're properly into this. Yeah. And then like, uh, I was on one on one with, uh, uh, like another squad, uh, another squad member and they were up and they could on a, on a sort of a cliff edge and they could see me and they're going, Oh, go on rotation. Oh God. Go on. And then like, and I did win, but then I was knocked down and then they came down and res- resuscitated me. And like, it's like this is what I hoped multiplayer gaming was going to be. PC, though. Pile of turds. I've had no negative experiences on PC. Really? Yeah. I think, I wonder whether it's because I played at strange times. That kind of I, I know, like, strange people play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the witching hour. <laughs> oh, no. There's no werewolves. <laughs> um... No, I, so I've had, I've had like a very occasional, like people running off by themselves, yeah. but like, and, and occasionally like it, it was necessary for me to eventually pass, like there's definitely not a meta emerging, but there are styles emerging. And mm. I've gotten a sense now of like how I like to play. And, um, the one thing I, I admire about it is I, f- I feel like, uh, PUBG, I would set so much of the template for this. You, you learn after a couple of hours, dozen hours or so, like what's likely to be a spicy drop. And what's a kind of comforting walk in the woods kind of game, right? Mm. And you can, that's the thing I like about this genre actually, is you can sort of pick the type of game you want. Like if you want a deathmatch straight away, just drop on the big city. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to spend half an hour walking across the woods only to be shot in the head by someone you didn't see, (laughs) (laughs) then, um, then you can, you drop someone more remote. And, um, one of the many things that's so good about Apex, I think, is the fact that like it makes it very clear there's, there are many different types of that. And it makes it very clear, uh, what they are. And then there are the subtle gradations of it as well. So you have the big glowy blue pillar of light at the start, which is like this area will have a higher tier of loot than it normally would. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the loot ship, which I think I talked about last week where it flies. To, you can see where it's going to go, but also you can see the flight path of the, your drop ship and you can do some cool stuff where you can kind of calculate well, if you jump at this point, we can actually get to it before it, it lands. Mm. And you get all of those stuff. And then there's loads of like remote places. And then there are people who have favorite locations and, and places within the map that people like to, to drop to. Um, like there's a place called the pit, which is 
um uh, me and my friends started calling it the bin because it's just like a big circular bin and you can you can get straight in the bin which is like <laughs> which is sometimes if people don't know it, it's usually quite good stuff there mm. but occasionally you'll see another team that'll be too late to, to abort and then you're all in the bin and yeah, then it's like yeah. the thunder bin and everyone's fighting wrestling <laughs> in the thunder bin um and i found that you know playing it more and more like i'm um, playing it mostly with strangers like if i'm jump master playing with strangers i won't go for any of the really spicy options unless they're very enthusiastic yeah they're all sort of like pigging it yeah Yeah, because the team that wins like when a bunch of teams land in one place it's madness because melee damage is quite high like you can hit punch people quite hard Mm. um and people who get guns first have an advantage but really it comes down to like what team is able to coordinate better like if there are two guns on the floor um most people playing by themselves will hoover up both and whereas if you can coordinate with your mates and say get over here get this other gun then you'll win that entire encounter and it'll be really worth it so that has sort of helped because then i'll sort of like if if i'm jump master i'll drop my team of randos i'll be very clear about it ping it we're going here and that's all worked really really well in fact the last game i played at lunchtime today one was just two really lovely dudes like no voice chat at all just everybody just pinging, pinging stuff and just yeah. good good pinging yeah i got we got like my last match last night was was we got we got second and it was a good pinger good yeah pinger. Uh, yeah that's the key isn't it I've, I've had nothing but really positive experiences online with them on both ps4 and on pc cool. um yeah occasionally one person whenever you see a person peel off and just go elsewhere on the map uh yeah that person's a jerk but you know they're, they're introducing solo modes and duo modes like in future so those people will hopefully go into the solo playlist and stop becoming a problem um but even then like if someone peels off and just goes does their own thing it's fun to kind of you get still get updates about what's going on with them <laughs> like if yeah. they're down somewhere it's like yep that's a bit of schadenfreude right there i enjoy <laughs> yeah. the fact that they're, they're yeah, stop their solo yeah good but then good. also it becomes like oh there's just two of us now and i feel like even stronger bond with that that other person who's stuck we've stuck together and we're at a disadvantage but now you know it matters even more like we're gonna yeah we're against the odds and it's that underdog kind of story there's also so much good design in it and i i you know i, I think it's worth talking about probably several times because it's it is it's not just the right battle royale at the right time it's a really well designed game yeah like you know there's so much you can talk about like it feels like the reason Titanfall 2 was so good is, you know, they have a bunch of original ideas in it, but also just everything feels so good. And the stuff in this, I can't remember from Titanfall. Like, yeah, we talked about, I think they lost wall running and they've lost mm. some of the stuff, Titans. But, um, but the way when you jump into a wall, you scramble up maybe four or five feet from yeah. where you hit the wall. It's really generous. Is something that should be in every first person game. Mm. Like, and it, you know, it's like, it's not wall running. It's like, um ledge grab generosity but you have to kind of hold the jump button and keep moving into the wall to do it mm. and it's really cool because mm. it, it you know there's so many subtle things like that that you enormously feel the benefit of but that's not easy to come up with and implement in a way that is so consistent in mm. terms of what jumps can be made and what can't and the map needs that kind of thing like I, i'm really enjoying the map design because yeah. uh i it's actually like it looks very big from when you're flying over it and but actually it's it's like the perfect size. Like mm. it's so good at making sure that action and excitement is very close always, but giving you space and really kind of controlled sight lines. And, you know, so you, the, the, the snipes from, from nowhere, like it happens, of course, but like 
but by no means, you know, it's quite a rare thing to, yeah. to genuinely be hit from something you weren't aware of. Like, like the, the distance you can see is, is really nicely controlled. The dy- dynamic nature of the match, like, like you, you know, the, you've got very high places next to low places all the time. It's mm. up and down, up and down, up and down. It's, it's exciting to traverse. Like you're never doing that thing in PUBG where you're just running for a minute across open yeah. flat ground. Like, you know, this is, there's always cover nearby. There's always something of interest to kind of negotiate or make a choice over. They're, like, they're very carefully constructed choke points as well. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. There's a, like a canyon path through the center of the map yeah. that is so dangerous because, it, like, I remember getting caught in the middle of that and you're being attacked from two different directions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for an, uh, uh, essentially a kind of open world, envi- open world environment to create those actually quite tight shooter situations. Yeah. The map does that all the time. Yeah. And some of the areas are actually kind of zoned as so though they're, they're their own little multiplayer maps where there are maybe like two or three ways in, but it's actually a shooter level designed, almost like a bespoke design for a shooter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. There's, there's little pools. They're just, yeah, they're like, they're like multiplayer maps. Yeah. Like, just like a just fully discreet little, map, yeah. map. And you just get used and to really it. distinctive. Like, right. Yeah. On, like I, I, I thought when I started playing it, this is, this is a lot of map to remember. Mm. And then like, hey, I was here like in the last oh, game. I, go to I remember Town. this place. Yeah, I yeah, jumped yeah. on this very place and like I thought it was so big. And that's a real asset. I don't know what it would be like over time. It feels, I mean, my instinct is that there's so much of it and it's so interesting that it will sustain interest. Mm. The fact yeah. that I'm coming across things over and over. But um, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's just so much like the fact that um, you press e or the use button to pick something up unless it's worse than what you're holding yeah in which case you have to hold it mm. which is just fucking genius like 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 because you auto equip it if it's better than what you've got like that's almost like the diablo team should nick that yeah that's sure. great yeah like that's like you know there's two kinds of picking something up that and one of them, you spam the button and you just hoover up all the loot and you, you automatically upgrade yourself. And one of them, you make choices. That's really good. Mm. That's super great UX design. Like, um, there's so many, like, things it takes from PUBG that I, I like, like PUBG's ballistics, which has a sort of, a real, the game has a kind of realistic aesthetic, but it has, you know, um, it has, uh, exaggerated bullet drop to allow you, in order to allow you to feel like you're making more realistic shots because you're accounting for bullet drop, mm. which you wouldn't have to do at the ranges that the game is usually, you know, played at. Um, and that involves in PUBG watching YouTube videos where you learn how to gauge distance in the game, what the markings on a 4X site mean and how to plan for them. Um, uh, Apex has all of that, but it makes it far more accessible without really removing the fun of doing it right. So if you're sniping in Apex, your scope, when you put your cursor over somebody will tell you exactly how far away they are in meters but it's on you to know how to use the, the little pips and markings on your actual scope to like aim up the correct amount so if they're 200 meters away you move it up to the two mark and that kind of thing and that will get you the approximate right bullet drop so there's still lots of skill in like landing a headshot from really far away but it's not quite as sort of opaque as as it is in PUBG. the other thing i think is really cool about it is like because of the rhythm of uh, reviving people when they're down. The fact that people who are downed are quite fast and can get into cover creates this really interesting rhythm in gunfights, which I don't think I've seen in another shooter where, and also the way like the regen items work, like the shield canisters and things that you can kind of put, like they, they also feel great. Like you're essentially like opening like a huge, 
can of Coke is, is kind of the feeling. Like, <laughs> ah, like it's that sort of thing. Um, um, the way he creates this rhythm in, in combat where if it's two teams fighting, there are loads of choices to make, not just about when to push or when to back off, but when to go revive, when to use healing items, when, when to take advantage of the fact that your opponents are doing that and push up on them and try and kill them in that gap mm. that is really, really rewarding if you are playing with mates, obviously, but it's also great for, um, if you do end up, and this I think helps with the toxicity thing in a really big way. If you do end up on your own or in a duo because someone's disconnected or whatever, it's still really possible to win. Um, and in some cases, easier like it's it's not as straightforward as like oh we're just kind of boned now mm. it's actually like because if i get shot i'm dead like in PUBG, obviously with no down state i don't know if PUBG has a down state what we're talking about but like high lethality and you're extremely vulnerable in your down state there's no shield you can pull up or anything like that um you it's numbers matter a lot but they matter in in apex but you get in really cool situations where as the solo player you can kind of hide a lot and wait for fights to break out between other teams and then be in position. There's always a moment after a fight ends when a team's really vulnerable because people will rush to loot or maybe they've run out of healing items and things like that. Yeah. And because of you have all these big AOE ults and stuff in the game, as well as um, just guns, you can sometimes end up, you know, soloing. Like someone's running off to revive their teammate. At that point, you kill them both. You've just won the game technically 1v2, mm. even though it didn't really feel like it. It's really, really cool. Like... Um, I've been playing a bunch of the character Mirage who sends out a decoy of himself. Oh, yeah. And he's really powerful in a really cool way when the game gets into that state. Because when you've got like a couple of teams left and it's really, really fraught, often the team that loses is the team that engages first because that's what everyone else sees. And you can, any character can try and set that off by trying to bait another team into making that shot and therefore causing the other team to look at them. But because he can send out a, a, an illusion to just run across open ground that's really cool because you can create situations where both of the other teams shoot at the decoy and then see each other and then they fight and then you go in and mop up and it's like there's so much stuff like that in it it's just amazing to dig into being seen is a whole the whole thing in that game like mm. yeah the, the way they've designed this fast travel mechanic are these like it's the gamiest thing in 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 the game really like it, it, these zip ropes these vertical zip yeah. ropes that you shoot up um and then you fly out the top and then suddenly you're back into the sort of start of the game flying state and that's how you can kind of if you're way out of the circle that's the thing you have to do in order to get there really is yeah within within the right amount of time uh and and yet like it's the most fucking obvious thing. Yeah, the most like, vulnerable <laughs> thing you could do like, it, no hey, one, everyone no, no one's missing that no one in, in the area is missing glowing that. flying squirrel with contrails <laughs> yeah like. and it, like the healer character like uh their alt is it brings down yeah a I, very visible beacon i do not like saying <laughs> that off at all you gotta be careful with it that's uh, such a cool idea though the fact that she right. brings down rare loot yeah yeah like i do she could do it and the decision of like so I, I play as that character a lot it's kind of the the tutorial kind of it, it basically implies that you should probably try out with this the healer first because you know you're, you're only going to help people unless you bring down one of these things in a place where other players are because they're going to see exactly where it's going because it's the brightest motherfucking thing falling out <laughs> of the sky and it slowly decelerates like a kind of moon landing pod and you also have to wait quite a while for it to turn up yes like, so basically right, yeah. you're all stuck in place like hey everybody could we just stand here around for a minute and it's really good as well like you get good stuff in it like guaranteed good stuff i think a lot of those abilities like feel quite 
weird at first, especially if you're used to like Overwatch alts or something where it's like, not, this is not shade on Overwatch. It's just that if you see alt, you often think, okay, well, this one, I'm going to spin around and, and do lots of damage in an AOE, or I'm going to do lots of damage forwards, or I'm going to revive someone from far away, like traditional kind of RPG stuff. Yeah. Like all of the alts in, in, in Apex are quite weird. Yeah. Like the robot places a zipline. <laughs> so good. I love that. Yeah, and it's, but it's fucking amazing. And, and the more I play it, the more I appreciate all the work that's gone into like the synergies is super cool. So like, mm. um, we were in a really rad situation the other day, which was a genuinely like one of those sort of, I ended up, you know, shadow play clipping it afterwards. Cause it was just one of those cool, like things happen where it was, you know, so sort of situation I was just talking about final three teams and it's a complete fucking mess. Like, this, the new circle is on this little, in this little base that's on the top of a nearby hill, but everyone is fighting in this kind of muddy valley below it. And we're in the middle, so we're in the, the boned position, like running around this rock, trying to keep the enemy team on the other side of it. Um, and we put, and, and then the, the whole trick felt like a magic trick where basically we threw down the dome shield that Gibraltar has, which hmm. is the big shield guy, throw down the dome shield. And then fire Bangalore smoke grenade inside it so that the entire, <laughs> the entire shield fills with smoke so you yeah. can't see what's inside it. And then put the zip line in there to the base. And so as soon as the shield goes down, all of the enemy teams are both firing into the smoke, at which point we zip line out the back, like away from <laughs> the inside of the shield. And I've, I just, and I'm just pissing off like, like, and it was just one of those amazing, like James Bond exiting on a motorbike yeah. moments. <laughs> that smoke grenade is one of. It's so so good. Yeah, I found it super useful. Like you can control a fight so well. Like, man, it's really really good. I I really want to play lots more of it. But yeah. there are literally like, all the games are coming out at the end of this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like as release seasons go, for some reason this particular week in February, everything is happening that is going to happen until November or <laughs> September or something. Yeah, right. It's ridiculous. Like Anthem's out this weekend. Metro's Metro out. Exodus Metro, is out yeah. this weekend. Um, we've got like sort of like Crackdown Three is also out. Good luck. Have fun. Crackdown Three in this oh, release. Dear. This release window. Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely nuts. Like what are you guys looking forward to? Playing, are you going to st- get stuck into Apex or are you going to try Anthem? I'm not interested in anything new. I'm just on You're Apex, a bit yeah, of Resi. Yeah. Um, or Resi, yeah. We should talk about Resi in a minute. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm, I think I will play the sort of adventure portion of Anthem because I do really like the flying in that yeah. game. Um, played a bunch of it a little while ago and I think it's, I want to, I'll talk about it when it's, when I played more of it. Yeah. I think it's an interesting. I'm looking forward to it, thing. actually. The, the, the flying's it's genuinely awesome. super cool. Hmm. My concern for it is that it's, a shooter where someone's put loads of love into making an inventive movement mechanic mm. and they go well i like them <laughs> and they never go well mm. you know like respawn removed parkour from their shooting system mm. and now it's like the biggest new game of the year because <laughs> yeah. people hate sl- hate special jumping it's the i think rule. they do the first person but i'm not sure about third person mm. like stuff like warframe proves that you can have a very mobile yeah behaving character in third person i feel like we should check in on this when we've probably played are you gonna play anthem tom oh yeah yeah Yeah. on pc or ps4 oh um because i'll get it on whatever platform you get it on. probably pc well definitely pc because we have to write a lot of stuff about it um and i'm actually because it's still a bioware game and they've like they can't help themselves they could have written loads of fucking lore about it (laughs) because oh there's loads of fucking lore don't worry about that and and like who knows how much of it is nonsense but i'm I'm willing to get stuck in i actually for the period where the servers were up for me i actually really enjoyed moving around as yeah the kind of this very agile character that triple jumps and does a lot of close combat and had a lot of fun with that character. Yeah, the interceptor yeah yeah that was my favorite character cool as well design really the armor looks i'll really be cool. yeah i want to see what people make of slow warframe which is kind of what it is <laughs> right. slow warframe with flight yeah um 
And there's a reason slow can be good. Hmm. You know, uh, Warframe's an enormously floaty and sometimes imprecise feeling game. Yes. That can feel insubstantial because it's so, like, frictionless. Everything just glides, like, yeah. everything's covered in, you know, lather and you, you're a bar of soap being squeezed <laughs> yeah. through these corridors. You're like, yeah, you're like a, a bar of soap being flung down a supermarket aisle. Yeah. It's like picking up everything. Things. But you're also in a supermarket sweep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm excited, and I, I really hope it goes well for Bioware's sake, frankly. Mm. Um, also, because I think it could be quite a cool game. Um, yeah. Should we talk about Resi? Because I think we've all played Resi. Reginald yeah. Evil. Reginald Evil. <laughs> Reginald Evil. Good. Um, I haven't, I haven't, about I haven't played it. an awful lot. Like, Where are we at with it? Cause Tom, you talked about it initially. So, so I'm at the first... Um, I'm getting towards the end of the first sort of section. There are three basically yeah. distinct sections police station it. yeah right i yeah. think i'm i'm where you are then yeah i am there but on my second run mm. so i've beaten it as leon and i'm now running through redfield yeah cool um that game is fucking amazing like it's i, mean, I, I know you talked about how good it was from when you surprisingly good isn't you it dug into it but no it's Don't like surprise holy shit like mm. it's i mean it's i think I'll be, I'll be surprised if there's a if it's not my game of the year like I'm, i mean you know i'm obviously holding out hope for better games but it's like i was i was making notes because i really wanted to talk about it now that mm. i finished it and i don't i won't spoil anything at all but like my notes are basically like go from just sheer like sort of design appreciation to like oh it's it's prey slash dark souls but also a puzzle game <laughs> like did you play what's your history with the series i've played almost all of them did you play Reginald Evil one or two at the time? Yes, I played. I played both at the time. I didn't finish You're actually one. Eighteen. I know, I know, <laughs> and I was eleven when two Ooh, came out. Uh, I, I played it with my mate Kevin. Kevin, you <laughs> should have known better. What was Kevin scared? Uh, no, we liked the gory PlayStation games. Mm. Um, um, but um, yeah, like. I mean, I could, I could, I could bang on about it, but I'd be interested to see how you're feeling about it. Yeah. Um, Like, so, so my, uh, Resi 2 was my first PlayStation game. So I, I played it when at the very end of my third year, third and final year at university to, I somehow, I don't really know how, I think it's because I knuckled down finally and did some work, um, in time for finals. I had some money left over at the end and I bought myself with it a PlayStation 1 and in the pack was Resident Evil 2 and Gran Turismo and I remember that pack yeah didn't have a memory card for a little while which Ooh. was a little bit of oversight Tense. so I played Tense. the start of that fucking game a lot of times mm. but um uh so it was but like then I spent the subsequent summer playing that game and and really knew it I've learned it well I've forgotten a lot I must admit but like I played sort of all the modes and played with hunk and and the tofu guy and all that stuff <laughs> we don't have to explain hunk and the tofu guy <laughs> and um so playing the new one i was really pleased with how it felt like coming home mm. but also to a modern game mm. like i just just it was everything that i probably would have wanted if i'd sort of bothered to think about what i would like in a in a new resident evil you know remake of, of yeah, that game because yeah. it was always my, my favorite one i liked the cross crisscrossing um 
of the paths. Yeah. I love the way that the, the, the police station in particular opens up, like mm. you alluded to Dark Souls, like the paths, yeah. the pathways in that game are incredibly well designed. I appreciate and I like, tooted the low hanging flute immediately, but <laughs> I wanted it to just, I didn't want to be tiptoe around it. Like I wanted to get there and toot. You got it. to, like, <laughs> you know, this is a game where like you, you're, sort of go down a part like you'll go down a corridor and then you'll end up going down there and you'll find a key and that will open a door and you'll go down into the house or something then you'll find shit i've just unlocked the locked door and the other wing and this is great and now i've got some item which now opens another place and it's like it's very it's very abs like it it is locks and key puzzles like it's very abstract but it does such a good job of situating it in like a known space like which was weird, like in the first version of the game, because it was a police station with weird statues. Well, they, they explain it, it's like it used to be a museum. Yeah. So. It used to be an art museum. And you look at the space and think, fucking right, so that does look like an art, an art museum. It's like a yeah, weather spoon just sense. taking over church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that type of deal, I think. But like, but it was, but it's a police station, which is really like closely, like in the first game as well, like really closely, um, uh, imagined, like, you know, the, mm. the flotsam of kind of police stuff is really well observed. Yeah. Like it's, and then now, like now you can go up close to things and, you know, then you can look at the true tragedy of Leon's part, sad party in, <laughs> in that room. <laughs> like his, his welcome party. Like it's, this is all stuff right the close to the start. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, don't, sure. this isn't spoilers really, but it's like, you know, it is beautifully, beautifully made space. It is. It's lovely. Like I think, um, yeah, like to, to clarify the Dark Souls comparison, because I think it's a really specific one. It's not just, it's good. It's, it's a game of, um, particularly in the police station. And then it's a game of loops, first and foremost. Mm. It's a game about going on an ex- expedition from your typewriter, um, going into an area you're, that is, uh, scary, um, because it's unknown, kind of mastering it and then unlocking something or finding the key that opens the passageway or doing something else to the environment that finds you either a new typewriter to save your game on. Or a, a surprising loop back to the original place, and that is the fundamentally the Dark Souls structure, I think. Mm. Um, but with one additional thing, which is that you can never quite trust the places you're. Yeah, down. I was going. This get was to a, this was a, okay, but yeah, yeah, that's gone. Well, I mean, it was a trick that, that they did in the original Resident Evil Two, uh, Resident Evil One as well. Um, but yeah, like you know, you know that you've gone down a path and you've been down there many times. Once you've op- you've got that new key item, you've done a loop and you've come back again, you know that it's, the, the, the existing spaces have been rewritten just slightly. Yeah. And like, but in a fairly naturalistic way. And this is what, this is why I bring up the Prey comparison. Um, new Prey, most recent Prey. New Prey. Um, because, um, so you have this loop system and, um, and it does a really good job of, uh, teaching you to be careful at early. So, and it has, mul- uh, uh, but it has multiple ways of encouraging you to not get complacent when you know a loop because the dark source thing. So if you see, this is the, the arc I want to describe from a design point of view, the end result of dark Souls is mastery, right? When you really know an environment and you have that kind of like groundhog day mastery of it, you just run through, you know, exactly where you sometimes make mistakes, but you know, you know where you know, everybody's yeah, standing. Like, and you know, surprises. you know what your run back to the boss fight is. Cause you've, you know, you've become this kind of like, you know, Pre-North time master, and, right? Yeah. You know, um, Resident Evil has small ways of fucking you up with that, which are really fun. Um, uh, like it loves to put a zombie around a corner where you're not expecting it. 
And then it'll give you a tool to help you deal with that. So in the police station, you can board up windows on the ground floor mm. and that prevents certain spawns from happening. Um, but that's a limited resource and you've got to choose which windows you're going to board up based on what routes you think you're going to be doing, that kind of thing. And then, and, and uh, you know, this isn't a spoiler because it's a, it's such a huge thing, but you need to talk about it. It adds the tyrant to the game who is a big man in a hat who briskly walks at you, uh, that he may punch you to death. And he is introduced at a key point, at a clear point, when he's introduced to that environment. And over the course of the game, it's been, you know, you have the central hall of the police station initially is your Firelink shrine. It's like almost everything links back to it. And it's, you know, it's home. And, but uh, the the tyrant kind of reminds me of, I forgot the name of the, the nightmare from, from uh, Prey, you know, the monster that can right. hurt you anywhere, which I mean, I think was, you know, inspired by Resident Evil in the first place. Yeah. But, this feels like um it's it's far, it feels far more systemsy in resi new resi 2 than it did in old resident evil 2 um and it's this brilliant culmination that isn't in dark souls of all of that mastery because then you add this indestructible enemy that has access to all of the same areas that you do he has he can go anywhere you can uh the only thing that you have to fight him with is the fact that he has very heavy footsteps and you can hear him and the spatial sound is really, really nice. So when you know the environment well, which is the goal of learning where all the corridors link up, you can tell probably what room he's in from the sound of his footsteps through the floor, through the corridors outside, that kind of thing. Sometimes he's a dick and he just sort of appears. But there's a really like that when I realized like, holy shit, this is really, really well designed because you find yourself, you know, initially you do the Dark Souls thing of, I need to do this loop and that unlocks this slightly grander loop. And I'm going to keep doing the grand loops until I've mastered the environment. Then I move on to the next one. The, that is still the case. But when you get to the last stage of that, you're also planning the loop based on how you can bait the tyrant in one direction because your actual goal is somewhere else. And you need him hunting for you in this set of rooms. (laughs) So you can sneak out through this other route, you know, about to get out. And it's like this kind of, you know, 4D chess thing you're playing that is so, so, so fucking yeah, cool. Yeah, a lot less digital than he was in uh, in the original. Like, uh, it's very Alien Isolation-y, actually, as well. It is, as well, yeah, it is. Um, which, again, is one of my favourite yeah. games. So it's got that, it's just, it's really, really great. Like, I feel like there's a, to sort of map it, there's a, there's a, uh, a, a, a spectrum with sort of pure sandbox immersive sim at one end and pure puzzle game at the other. And Resident Evil's far closer to puzzle game than like your Deus Exes and Preys and things, um, which is space it shares with Dark Souls, which is also on the puzzle game end of the spectrum when it comes to simply how do you gain access to a space. There's lots of things in Resident Evil that you can't do, which you would be logically able to do if it was a real environment. Mm. Um, you know, like, you know, there's only one way to break chains and it is the chain cutting <laughs> thing, right? So it doesn't even encourage you. Shoot to- the lock, goddammit! Yeah, right. Like, you have to be able to you know uh give it the benefit of the doubt for that but it's so like satisfying to you just you just i think you get that initial kind of shoot the lock god damn it but then you kind of think you relax into it like okay yeah this is a digital game like you either can do something or you can't and then but the areas of freedom it does give you are amazing like the fact that the zombies are all persistent yeah so it's not you know there are spawns to some extent but like a zombie is a zombie and what you do to them it just has happened to them now. So initially, <laughs> and oh, like this is, I think you talked about this when you first talked about it, Tom, mm. but the, the system where if you shoot a zombie in the head, if you shoot it in the head three times, it'll go down for a bit. Next time you go into that area, it'll probably get up again. 
if you occasionally when you shoot it in the head the head will explode at which point it's down forever yeah but that's a random dice roll it's It's a dice roll yeah and it's you're gambling with your ammo and you want it but you can't have it if you shoot something in the knee three times the bottom half of its leg comes off and it this won't even incapacitate it immediately but it will be dragging itself around on the floor forever and so that that is in itself an amazing risk reward thing you can go for the headshots in the hope of removing something forever or you can incapacitate every zombie in the level and just end up with rooms full of these people that can still surprise you because they'll just lie on the floor in a weird place i had the most grotesque one where there was this one uh crawling around on the floor Mm. but there was another there was another corpse of a zombie uh lying there Mm. and it was crawling through this corpse but it was in a very dark room with a kind of um with light quite bright light shining across it yeah and all you can see is this writhing rag doll you didn't know which bit was well animated to shoot at and so oh fuck it i'll run off then oh god yeah it's gross isn't it the only other thing i wanted to say about the design is like i think you you touched on like i think you made me buy it tom mm. when you said that when you've got everything in a room the room goes blue on your map yes taking yeah, away that entire yeah, yeah. i didn't realize how deep that system goes it also does it for items so like keys and things once yeah. you've used you know it's just, it's it's metagame information but it's so welcome like oh yeah well go on yeah i was got, got a question about this when you've used a key yeah. it, it so in all of the possible places it can possibly be used so every door it'll unlock is open that's the same is true for like the the chain cutting you know bolt cutters once you've used once you've broken every chain they can be used to break the item gets a little tick in your inventory at which point you can delete it and you know the game has told you you don't need this ever again so it takes away the inventory panic you get the inventory management challenge which is interesting mm. but not the panic of i need so, to hold these bolt cutters forever uh, i'm in trying case. to remember the original game i think it just you just once you've used the, that thing Might for the last time it disappears i'm not sure some items do vanish when you use them yeah. some don't hmm. because i honestly i don't really like it because i've i every time i sort of feel oh god because okay so this is now, I, I, like, I, I'm just going to give you a, like a, a mm. minor spoiler warning. You just don't listen yeah. for the next minute or so. Um, uh, but this is pretty minor. Like, it's, uh, I uh, threw away one of the one of the keys, yeah. and um, and I'm pretty sure at the point that I am, I walk to a new save a new save room, and on the whiteboard on it with a te- key taped to it with writing on the whiteboard saying you forgot your key, and I'm sure it's one that I threw away. With and I'm sure that key had a tick. Uh, now I say sure. I mean, uh, what I mean is, I think it, I think so because it's not a new I, key because it's, it's it's a it was a spade. So huh. in my maybe you're right. But did you in, come across that whiteboard? Yes, and, and I didn't did throw have, anything away in my, in my and, Oh, and there was there was something taken. Yes. To it. Okay, and that you can now listen again. We've stopped talking <laughs> about. Um, but I love that because so the other thing is so the downside to all of this is it's not a, a hugely long game. I think my first playthrough took six hours, mm. and the police station is the showcase environment in terms of all that stuff. It feels like all of the subsequent environments, with very slightly based on the player your character you're playing, are like tests of all the skills you've learned mm. in the police station. Um, and so and they're cool, and I really liked playing through those environments. And there's grim things to discover. But it's not, it doesn't, you know, Dark Souls is a big old game and, it, you know, like, it's, it's not that at all. I, I say that as a caveat, I really liked that about it. I appreciated so much being able to finish it. 
Mm. You know, I almost didn't want it to go on forever. But you've also got like a second adventure, yeah. which which properly crisscrosses. You get new areas and and you get new insights into the same events you, you, you already and, played. You, yeah, so that's the thing. There's in order to see everything, it's at least four runs yeah. because every character has two different. That you, there are two characters that have subtle differences and, and a few major differences in their campaigns. And then each character also has an alternate version of their run, yeah. mm. uh, which has a different ending. So like there's, you know, there's still, there's lots of game there. Um, but it's tight, tight. It's game. very tight. And like, and I really like that because like I, I'm now, as I say, towards the end of the PlayStation with Claire. And what's been really fun about that is like, I've learned shit loads and it's designed that way. Like the second time you do it, you know, all the safe codes, you know, all the locker codes. You know, you've, you know, I've been, I've been writing them down as clues for myself and mm. that physical thing I wrote down still exists. Yeah. And so I'll, you know, I'm getting items earlier, but I think they plan for that to some extent that, you know, that's the easier thing, but also every single thing I've learned about when I go into rooms and there's corpses on the floor, I slash them all with the knife because it doesn't use up any of the durability on the knife, but any of them that are zombies will get up. Right. And that's just like a thing I learned. Yeah. Mm. Yep, yep. And applying all that information, I've had this amazing run and I wanted to get on to talking about the characters because actually I liked the characters and I found Resident Evil has a ridiculous story and it is ridiculous to the end. Yeah. And I love the way they've modernized Resident Evil 2's story without taking away its biggest, campiest moments. Yeah. Um, but um, I found those characters quite entertaining and enjoyable to spend time with both of them actually um <laughs> and i think this works perfectly but like because i was learning the game uh leon is a bit of a bumbling hapless guy who gets he into is. weird situations yeah. and now because i feel really confident with it claire is extremely competent <laughs> like so i've only used one health item so far at all because it's you know and every zombie in the police station has lost the, their leg below the right knee because I just like she just walks around like your legs off your legs off your legs off and then just runs in little sort of weavy sort of S shapes around every single person like yep need this go there do this it's great does she does she have as many ex- exclamations as, as young Leon I really want to talk about Leon's exclamations <laughs> hers so, aren't as good as Leon's let talk but are they, okay so to, to Leon <laughs> like three hours into the game yeah he's still saying what the what why son of a bitch why the thing is so the great thing about Leon yeah so this is when you see a zombie so to some extent you have the thing like why are you still surprised that this is happening also because you've run through here four times you've you've seen this zombie but actually they almost account for that for a bit because it's not just oh no or or like fear he sometimes just sounds like a bit frustrated like Like, there's like one of his like being grabbed by a zombie things he's like oh oh for god's sake it's like get Stuart just sit down you know, like, this is really weird. Like, um, like Claire has one, which is like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> um, like, oh, for, it's basically like a lot of them are like, oh, for fuck's sake, which is like a lot of, which is quite good because it's almost how you feel as a player if you're around the corner and there's a zombie where you weren't quite expecting one. Mm. But it does get a little kind of like, yeah, yeah. And just what? Don't be surprised. Don't, don't be surprised. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Like, they said, oh, what the, oh, it's obviously a zombie again, isn't it? Like, I've had that moment though. It does do some cool and cruel things with enemy placement. Oh, mm-hmm. good. Um, I must admit, I do find Leon, oh, he's, he's, he's a dick. He is a dick. I quite like him. Do you like him? Yeah. It's quite sweet. Like his, um, I like how both the protagonists of Resident Evil 2 are really young. Yeah. Like they're like, so 19 and 20, 
basically. Yeah. And they actually, it's rare for a game protagonist to feel like to come across as actually genuinely young. And you're probably not deep in the story enough in the story yet to have Leon interacting with people. No, it, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't had an, um, an awful lot to do. But yet. he's quite, I quite like him. I don't mm. know, Tom, you've, you've had that. Not quite far enough. Like, he's only really interacted with... He, most people are zombies at the start. Yeah, that's true. With the There's always Marvin. Marvin, who's going to be fine. There's, even though he's going to be holding his guts in. Completely fine Marvin <laughs> yeah. in the safe zone, yeah. He'll be fine. We've all watched zombie movies. They always turn out well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so your interactions with him, like... I, I think most of these personalities you get about Leon is based on, like, little notes around the, the fact that he was supposed to turn up earlier than he yeah. did, right? And that... He would like, they always treat him as a, they patronize him basically as a rookie. And, um, so he's already kind of a, a he's always a, a, already a kind of diminutive figure. He's not like a action yeah, hero. He's, not, he's, no, he's no Chris Redfield. He's, he's no not Chris, Chris Redfield. Redfield at all. Like he's, yeah. he's floppy haired, new recruit, doesn't know what he's getting into. Um, he's like had the entire police station not dissolved into zombie. Phil, like they would have just hazed the shit out of him and he would have just been like probably quite bullied and then yeah eventually like you get that impression about his character um which is a lot to get out of uh essentially a b-movie premise which is yeah. what resident evil has always been it is definitely about. a b-movie but there's something quite i i find the characterization and the acting the mocap and stuff pretty good actually I, well the, the facial animation the is fantastic very, very yeah and i think actually that that i mean you, you're absolutely right about that youth thing because i think that's a very japanese sort of like I think that there is a type of the, the time that that game came from. Yeah, the the sort of player characters often were young to sort of give presumably what you know like yeah. traditionally young player ship something characters that they could engage with. Right. And like doing the, the the little kid growing up to be the hero was like a regular thing, and mm. I think that like Brezzy two definitely followed in all that. There's just quite, I find it quite sweet. Like there are, there are beats in that story that haven't changed from the nineties version that I think are, you know, I think you could criticize now exactly the kind of conception of the narrative. Essentially each character has a different companion later in the game. Mm. Um, and those are drawn down pretty standard action movie lines. Uh, I don't, I feel like you could. Leon's talk- one is, oh God. Actually, well, she always, uh, the character was always terrible. Ada's cool in. I like, I don't know if you. Yeah, I've met her, yeah. Yeah, I I quite like what they do with her. They make some really key changes to the story as a whole, which are are for the best and on a a good, like, um, I quite liked, um, like, cause it is B movie stuff, but it's sort of well produced and I quite liked all those characters and there's quite good bits in it. Like, there's just good moments of ridiculous acting because you're dealing with a situation that's completely ridiculous and it's not a Japanese survival horror zombie game unless someone shouts G. <laughs> <laughs> not g as in o o g you know g e e but just the letter g i don't know why it's the letter g it's the letter g in in house of the dead it's the letter g in resident evil um but yelling it that's important you gotta <laughs> um <laughs> um like there's just yeah i just find it quite just sort of front to back really enjoyable there's uh one other thing i wanted to talk about which what which is the the aiming reticle Ooh. Like a little little bit of design thing that I really love in it is that it it's a game that loves the like really like plays around with the idea of standing still to shoot like yeah so uh, this comes obviously comes from you know a game which was 
notorious for its controls and having to stand still to shoot mm. um and this one uh is third person game like free view you can run around you know some normal third person controls but it makes you stand still to shoot because of a really cool reticle design where any movement and the reticle design is huge. Like the reticle opens up massively, like, and you, it will randomly go and you're not going to get your head shot. And in a game where every shot, like you are worrying about, about ammunition, you need that reticle to, to close down to the smallest point. And this game knows that. And if you give it that time, it will close down to an absolute pinpoint and you'll yeah. get a perfect shot. Nice. And it's just, it's a, and you and you feel skillful for standing still it rewards you basically it means that in in making you stand still being a bit of a you know exposing sort of, yourself basically yeah, yeah being being quite cruel about it it's mm. actually making you feel incredibly cool and skilled for getting getting skill you know accurate shots i think that's a it's a really subtle thing and like it's a i don't know Lots of games do that with reticles, but this one is so extreme because it's doing it because you're yeah. so inaccurate of very short range, even mm. if you've got, if you've moved, you know. Uh, yeah. It's good. And then also that plays with the different, the characters, different weapons as well. Like yeah. they both have a pistol at the start. In fact, the only thing that sort of took me out of it at the beginning when you play with Claire instead of Leon is it makes less sense that Claire just has a gun. Like at the beginning of the game, like Leon is a police officer at the end of the day, whereas mm. he just shows up like, just going to find her brother. Um, with a huge hand cannon on her hip. It's like, okay, fine. Oh, does she have that? Because doesn't... Oh, no, I, she has a gun from the start. Uh, yeah, because uh, does she have the gunshot bit at the start? Is that her? That's... that. They have the same intro. Okay. Um, Pretty much. Like, right. they have a different dialogue, obviously. Did they strip that out from the original then? The, the gunshot is in it. Okay. But you haven't got there yet. Okay. Hmm. Um, I think. Remix. Yeah, it's, 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 it'd be interesting. Like they, they, they swap around things from the original yeah. Resi, um, Resi 2, um, in cool, in cool ways that make yeah. a lot more sense because I don't know how much you remember about the ending of Resi 2 on PlayStation, <laughs> but there's some weird bits in that and they do a lot to preserve the spirit of those moments <laughs> while making them make sense. Um, I don't want to say anything because I want to avoid, genuinely want to avoid spoiling stuff, but like cool. I rewatched the ending of Resident evil two on on just yeah. to kind of remind myself like did that actually happen yes yeah no yeah, definitely actually, did yeah yeah it does <laughs> um uh yeah it's, it's it's dead good um oh this reminds me so uh this is made in the re engine which is yeah. very beautiful like it's very very good at lighting it's very good at like face textures and face animation stuff like that um i've also been playing resident no Devil May Cry 5. Oh, Ooh. have you? And I've only just realised that I could talk about this now because the embargo's been up for like a week. Is that another thing coming out this week? It's coming out next month. Next month. Thank God for that. I played it for six hours and it's fucking brilliant. Oh, I'm really glad. It's really fucking good. Like, I, I was really surprised and huh. excited about it. Um, it is such... A, 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 like the Resident Evil 2 remake, it's a really clever look back at the whole series that also introduces cool new shit and proper like you know exciting modern characters and modern ways of slashing demons into a million different bits so there are three characters in this game there's dante isn't it and dante can switch between guns and his melee weapons with like the triggers and he you know he gathers them and 
you get the whole history of Res- of I keep calling Resident Evil the whole history of Devil May Cry in this one character. Mm. He can switch between his you know four of his classic styles like Trickster, um, like Royal Guard on the D pad, and the, the control scheme gives you a mass you know, access to the entire series <laughs> uh, that you've ever played ever played with Dante through from the first game to the fifth. You'll be able to access oh, that can, ability on the fly, oh. and you'll be able to create you know combos on the fly with everything that he's ever is that had. from the start of the game as well um uh, so he comes in like a bit later right but um this isn't like a spoiler because they've made it a, they've revealed who the it's definitely cry right? it's definitely cry right you yeah play as dante. they once pretended you weren't going to play as dante for a bit <laughs> they, <laughs> they tried uh he's got new weapons like uh there's a motorbike that he breaks into two and wields his dual axes and then <laughs> uh puts back together and then you can do attacks with it's a full motorbike because he rides around the arena and kills people Fair um classic you know good good devil may cry stuff um but he's like the he's the least, least interesting part about the game and he's you know, he has the whole series contained within within him. You also play as Nero, has these kind of like exploding arms that he kind of. <laughs> uh, you you, go, you before you go into a fight, you um, you arrange four arms in a sequence, and you can blow them up at any point to create. What do you mean in the arena? Sorry, um, before you go to a mission, yeah, you, you have like a loadout of these. Oh, arms I see, of arms, you, of arms. Of, of are we talking arms. about arms? We're talking about. Or are we talking about arms? We're talking about arms that go on your elbow cool and some of them are rocket arms that you can shoot out and they like combo enemies at a distance while you're doing your business in close quarters doing business doing your business and some of them are like the, the, the first doing some accounts yeah, exactly. <laughs> doing a deal <laughs> yeah the, the rocket arm fucks up your enemies as you're you know sorting your life out uh the there's like a the first we get puts out like a, an electric palm attack that can do like massive damage at the end of a combo and they, they all basically are there are eight of them throughout the game and they are, they all have different specialties and they all create different combo opportunities for that particular character so when you say you create a loadout of them does he have four arms now uh, <laughs> yeah, on his, this is this is a concern yeah they're on his belt oh i see but so, you said elbow oh no so he, <laughs> he puts one on the elbow in order to use it I so see. yeah, his 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 left and right. I can't remember which arm. One of his arms gets ripped off at the very start of the game, uh, and this has been shown in like marketing materials and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Um, and because he has a special hand in Devil May Cry Four, he's got a devil hand. That yeah, he does have. He's got a demon hand, but it only does one thing. Like he can't do. It's just devil. It's just devil. He just does devil. And in this game, he he has eight things. Like, well, actually, it's more like it's more like sixteen to 20 because the arms can be used in lots of different ways you can explode them in interesting ways and uh, <laughs> also they all have multiple kind of applications uh there's one that just like lets him just boost around the place <laughs> just like do massive kind of dodges and stuff i'm not explaining this well but he he's um so uh, this is like he's probably the main character the skill ceiling on him is enormous because of these various weapons because Adobe may cry is essentially always a game about improvisational combos mm. and trying to create the best you know the coolest looking shit and the highest like style rank that you can is it is it flashing that at the top of the screen as oh as yes does yeah. it say savage it says way? it's a savage yeah. and um <laughs> yeah and it, and it like uh this is all in the game now so the 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 music kind of crescendos and changes and the music is different for each of the three characters so the, oh, cool. the dante one is like dante themed and the nero one is nero themed based on previous games um but i want to talk more about the the third character who is completely new and it's just called v and v it's just called v v it's not virgil he's not virgil he's just v okay and he uh is very mysterious and he has a, a long leather jacket 
Ooh. Uh, sleeveless, though. Oh. Ooh. So I, <laughs> oh, dear. So a Final Fantasy XV character. <laughs> yeah. uh, he kind of is. Like, He's one of the boys. Like, yeah. Uh, and he looks... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so he's got a cane and he rarely uses it. But when he uses it, it's very important. And he doesn't have guns and a big sword. Instead of the guns and a big sword, he has different demons. He's got a close combat demon, which is like a panth- shape-shifting panther. My CQC demon. He's got a CQC demon and he's got uh, a long-range kind of eagle, like a demon eagle that fires eagle. electricity out of its mouth. <laughs> so a CQC devil and a deagle. And a deagle. And uh, the two are, are mapped to like the classic, you know, you've got a close combat button in Devil May Cry, yeah. you've got a ranged button in Devil May Cry. And instead of actually, you know, wielding these in, on his person, he actually projects these demons out into the world to attack things. And he also could dodge at the same time. He's very fragile. So you're, it's a totally different style of playing Devil May Cry that is still so do like, you control the demons like when a pet. The it's like a sort of a almost a, a like a hunter class sort of thing where you're sort of uh getting your pets to aggro and deal damage as you kind of dodge, dodge about elegantly dodge yeah. around and you can you can pull out a book of like poetry and read it at people to, now that <laughs> as this <laughs> is happening uh and that charges your kind of like devil breaker gauge or whatever it's called uh and when that maxes out you can summon i think it's called nightmare so does reading the poetry not doing not actually do anything well, it, it charges your meter. Oh, I see. Right. It but it's not like your... a... Do you actually hear him reading it out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So basically, is, there, there, is that... there much of it? Like, is, how there's much poetry lo- is there's there? There's loads of it. I don't know where they cool. got it from, but they, the, the acting in it is actually brilliant. That sounds great. Uh, it's actually brilliant. Like, <laughs> what, what kind of things are the poetry about? Like, vases can't and stuff? can't tell. <laughs> can't tell. I played it for six hours. I have no idea. It's just vague stuff about damnation and... Damnation and, and stuff. Uh, and my demons are about to fuck you up and... You know. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to set my dog on you and then read you from my Tumblr. <laughs> exactly right, yeah. Here is Did my... he write it or was he reading it from like someone else's book? It's not clear. It's actually quite mysterious, the origin of the book. It might be a plot point at some point. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Yeah, here is my medium post. <laughs> here is my... About death. <laughs> Thread. Exactly. <laughs> I wrote this when I was 16 years old. <laughs> My I love the fact you could do that. Left me. The animations in this game are beautiful. So his kind of poise and arrogance as he's doing all this is just sells his character completely. <laughs> uh, and is he basically a wizard class in Devil May Cry? He's basically yeah, he's basically like a warlock. Yeah, he's just basically a warlock class, especially because you know his demons can't actually kill enemies. All they oh. can do is get them into a near death state, and at that point he has to finish them with his cane. And uh, he just bonks them just gently, and they go. no, he he horribly destroys them. <laughs> so like, you could teleport and do this. So you, you press, you lock onto them, and you press the kind of cane destroy button, and he, he teleports forwards, and he'll he'll suddenly reappear. His cane will just be through their eye socket, and then he'll just like turn away, you know, laconically, and waltz off with his you know leather jacket flapping in the breeze as they explode behind him. Uh, and the the way you get mega scores with this guy is that you get multiple enemies down to this near-death state and then you just chain those attacks chain cane and then you, you chain the cane and uh <laughs> each one like all, all the ones have like different bespoke execution animations based on that you know how he would dispatch them uh and that when you see the sss rank appear once he's just gone through a load of enemies doing this it's fucking amazing hmm. feeling it's a it's gonna be 
brilliant and it's going to get mega oh, man. It's he going to be very good. He sounds a like a bit then? romantic. Like, he sounds like a sort of Shelley Byron, Byron-y he's very, type. Yeah, Byronic is yeah. a perfect yeah. way to describe him, definitely. Yeah. 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 And oh. um, <laughs> facial capture is incredible in this game. It's Byronic really good. Commando. <laughs> 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 damn it I should have used that as a strap on my preview god damn it it's okay you idiot ah if only I should have thought about it more look it said V's Vendetta instead well that's also good yeah, yeah, not bad yeah. Um, yeah so it's going to be it's going to be great the fact that he's just like a sub character in this game and so you've got these three different characters who each have their own levels the replay, there's so much like so much opportunity to replay it and master each different skill set and each of them is so different and have so much kind of variation and you know uh space for improvisation and creating cool combos there's, there's a photo mode in it obviously this game looks amazing but it's just the most gifable game as well and Devil McRae always has been like this but i think it's going to do super super well i hope it does because you know people are just going to share their their awesome you know room clearances or level clearances uh it's going to be super super good uh i really hope that it does well. The only mm. weaknesses so far have been like some boss fights and stuff, which is fairly standard for DMC. But yeah, look out for that one. It's good. good luck, Capcom. Capcom wow, do. Capcom are having a hell of a year, aren't they? They're doing Jesus, really well. Turn to last year and then yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Great I games. mean, I'm glad. I'm I, I am really glad that it's so inventive because mm. my worry was that the response to the the response to the fan response to Ninja Theory's DMC would be. Don't do anything new with this series. Go back and, and make, just make more Dante Devil May Cry games. And it's great that they're doing Dante right. Mm. But, you know, um, I know I've, I've gone to bat for the, D- for DMC before as well. I really game. love that game. Yeah, it's really good. And I'm, I'm fully willing for it to return to its original creators and, and be something new, but I'm glad it's something new. Yeah. I said this in the preview, like, I, it could so easily have just rested on his laurels and just done another Dante yeah. game. And, but it's very self-aware about, you know, it's almost meta, like how aware it is of the entire series. The fact that Dante exists is almost just to fulfill the wishes of that particular type of fan. And then the other characters allow them to do very new things with the combat space. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great approach. I would be interested if it refers to DMC at all. I don't think it will. Like what I played does not at all acknowledge. No, but just anywhere in the game. Yeah. Like, I'd be curious to see if they acknowledged mm. it because it still exists. <laughs> it does. You can still play it. It's still great. Uh, but yeah, I think this is going to be even better actually. Uh, oh man. Like, well, don't, don't expect anything particularly special from the story, but well, the f- sort of facial capture stuff, like, the, the, yeah, the performance capture is incredible. Like it's surprising. Also it's used to do very melodramatic stuff but it's incredible it's really yeah. impressive it's really interesting how they do that like i'm getting this from the only from the credits of resi 2 hmm. but um for resi 2 like obviously a lot of companies are using like advanced mocap now and sometimes it's it's you know it's actors all the way down like yeah. i think um assassin's creed odyssey uh the voice actors did the mocap you know and it's and the face capture and stuff like that um, there's like three layers to it in, in Resi 2. It's, mm. it's really good, but you have, um, so I may, I might be misunderstanding something. So pinch of salt, but from my reading of the credits and the production, reading about the production of the game, as far as I can tell, like Leon and Claire and the main characters in that game are each three different people. Well, there's a voice actor for there's the voice performance. There's a mocap actor and there is the model that was scanned for mm. the look. Right. And they're com- all completely, like, huh. completely different people. So, like, you know, the, there's, um, 
I saw someone point this out, so this is not an original take, but like, I think they just went out and found actors for Leon and Claire that look as close as possible to, um, Leonardo DiCaprio and, oh, um, I'm completely blanking. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Who was Juliet in that? Ah, I'm going to edit myself saying the name now. <laughs> Claire Danes. There we go. I've done it now. <laughs> um, her, Hope you left yourself enough time. For those two. Um, she might have had a very long name. But, uh, <laughs> uh, well, that's the magic of audio editing. <laughs> are you saying that things are faked? I'm saying time is an illusion, Alex. Oh. Um, and a flat circle. Um, which is why we're enjoying games from 1998. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <over> um, <laughs> but yeah, like, and, um, because as far as I could tell, all of the actual performance capture was like all hand, all done in Japan with Japanese actors. Mm. And so it's sort of interesting, like having, and obviously then localized in lots of different regions as well. And that was kind of an interesting thing to sort of, to see, like you go through the credits and you have like, here are all the movement actors. Here are all the looks, the people who provided their likenesses. And here are all the voice actors for different territories. Mm. And that is sort of a three part kind of way of constructing a character, which sounds like it'd be super cumbersome. And it's kind of remarkable how naturalistic it ends up feeling, at least yeah, in Resi. Yeah, V looks like a, a young Kylo Ren. I don't know who the actor is. Adam the, Driver. Adam Driver. Uh, yeah. I like, didn't splice that in. I remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, there's an uncanny likeness there, but it's definitely, it must be modeled after a real person. I'd be amazed if they've constructed mm. that face from scratch. <laughs> you're saying you couldn't <laughs> you could never imagine you can't adam imagine driver. adam driver <laughs> i don't think you can i don't think if, if you'd ever drawn adam, adam driver's face they'd just say well, you can't draw <laughs> you can't even draw <laughs> a Jesus person Christ, Alex. <laughs> but he makes sense when you see him <laughs> that's the magic of adam driver <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The stupid thing is, you're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we do some questions from questions? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've timed this exactly as Tom Senior took a big swig of beer. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, but before we get to to questions from questions, I've got a slightly late shout out. We don't tend to do shout outs on this podcast. We're going to make an exception. I like shout outs. Shout outs. Oh, dear. oh, we've ruined it oh, already. <laughs> you like shite outs. Shite outs. Shite outs. <laughs> You're looking at me quizzically. As the section is, shall henceforth be known, <laughs> shite outs <laughs> with Alex Watcher. And <laughs> uh, what's this week's edition? Um, <laughs> so um, we had a lovely email um, from Jennifer on behalf of her husband, Sam whose birthday it was a week ago a week ago and i realized this with horror that i saw this email a little while ago and i was like yes we will definitely give a shout out to sam on his birthday Mm. and then last week for time reasons we ended up not doing questions so we missed it so we've done the podcast thing that happens in podcasts where the birthday shout out is humorously late humorous Mm. (laughs) happy birthday but not late enough to for it to be funny instead happy birthday Sam, happy birthday! Thank Sam. you for listening to the podcast, and we apologise. Well, I apologise that your shout out is a little bit late, and uh, that Alex called it a shout out, <laughs> <laughs> which is a different matter entirely. Yeah, but if you can remember it, we hope it was a nice day. Yes, we hope you had a lovely day. Absolutely, and uh, and and yeah, if you'd like us to give a shout out or shite a shout out, shout out to a loved one or someone you don't like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Do email us. 
But next, our, our first question for the evening. James writes, Your vocabulary is limited to that spoken by a single video game character for the rest of your life. Which video game character do you choose? Pikachu? <laughs> oh it's tough isn't it it is a tough one it's a very good question very though. good question um i think if we're going for pure expressiveness i think it's got to be doom guy <laughs> yeah i mean there's pretty much all of the things there yeah well that's good you need to communicate as a father of two children <laughs> exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the life of an actor who makes their money purely off doing pain barks yeah. for video games. There's an art to it. I thought about that today because the, the the Frozen Two trailer came out today, You're right? And that was cool. And um, but there's no there's no speaking in it. It's all kind of like moody music and things. But one and moment, barking pain. Well, one moment where um, I think Elsa falls backwards off something and goes, ah! and I'm like, ah. And um, I thought that's that's the only use you've made of Vadina Menzel in this. T- <laughs> her lovely voice. In this and how film. many takes did it take? Exactly. Um, I think. Oh, there's so many good answers to this because video game speaking is almost entirely funny. Yeah. Like we've, we've we've touched on a good one today. Leon from Resident Evil will um, be a good one. Yeah. He he, he, propelled, he allows you to only be Labrador style earnest about things yeah. and go for fuck's sake. Oh, <laughs> what now? Oh, what's this? Oh, 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 oh shit. <laughs> oh, it's a zombie again. Oh, crap. That's exactly what I didn't want. <laughs> do, do the dotes count? Dotes. They're chaps. very expressive. It feels yeah. like an obvious choice for me. Like, oh, yeah, it's like X from Dota or something. Um, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, quite, um, positive energy in, in the, the Apex Darlings, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got quite good energy. I feel like we can go more classic than that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doomguy was a good suggestion. Um, I, I wouldn't, I think the novelty of only being able to speak like JC Denton in that kind of like running kind Graf, of monotone. Yeah. Um, oh, would, this is, oh, would be very funny for the first week and then I'd. Well, relatively, uh, Garrett from, from the first thieves, mm. who can, who can be arch always. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they <laughs> thought I was going to buy some milk, but I just stole a cup. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a particular, there's a particular, um, outburst from, uh, characters in anime generally, but also mm. Japanese games, which is a kind of, where people respond to a, a twist in the conversation by just going, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> what? And this is, this is a whole genre of statement. <laughs> I, I, <gasps> you have to know. It's like that- a gasp, but it's like more forceful than a gasp. It's like putting something out there. Um, in doing that, like, when, before I tried it myself, I was amused by the, the, like, the pose that you struck while doing it. It was just sort of like a, like a, like a, your, your, both arms came out and you kind of clutched the air and tensed up your entire upper body. And then I did it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it sounds like. And Mm. I don't know. It's, that is the way I would choose to express myself. (laughs) Uh, uh, And it's like, you know how, um, you know, the, the, the expression of, yeah, that's good. That's yeah. better than me. Uh, uh, just like the expression of, uh, we've done this review in games before where we've just gone, uh, well, yeah. uh, and just that particular tonality could communicate a lot. And in fact, I yeah. think I could do a lot with that type of just utterance. Yeah. Like I think they might sound. be richer even than Doomguy. I think so. 
Mm. If that is such a thing, <laughs> possible. Is that possible? Could it be? <laughs> yeah. <I don't> um, <laughs> Max Payne would be an interesting one. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> come by, come by. <laughs> Actually, I I would love a game about sheep herding. Mm. Uh, that could Have be you a... played Dota 2? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful, like, you know, a game about yelling at a dog that may or may not do... There oh, is, The Last Guardian is basically... There is, a, there is a herding <laughs> game. Wasn't there a game from the PS2 called Hurdy Gurdy? In fact, why am I not quite sure? There was a game... <laughs> For the PS2 called Hurdy Gurdy, which wow. was purely about herding stuff. Herding. But then again, when was the last herding minigame that you played in a game, of which there are many that you enjoyed? Well, most of them evolve. Like, uh, so that last one was actually Red Dead 2. And oh, right, that evolves yeah. just doing zigzags behind some, yeah. you know, whatever the fuck. Mm. Some whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what the animal was. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably cows probably. since you're a boy a bison <laughs> you're not yeah. a horse boy are you <laughs> not a sheep boy <laughs> oh shit hang on they might have been sheep shit were they sheep I think they were probably sheep I think they were sheep yeah with the one I did anyway you sort of like you uh fraudulently rustle them that's right yeah. <laughs> that's the thing that happened in the west apparently <laughs> can you the not the fraudulent rustling of the can horse boy can you not boy? <laughs> That's what I would have called that game, yeah. too. <laughs> Redeem this. <laughs> There's no redeeming the fraudulent hustling of the... Ro- <laughs> I did enjoy that bit of uh, tutorial text, though, that asks you to zigzag behind the back of the whatever the fucks to <laughs> fraudulently shepherd them into a, a town for money. Just imagining like a baffled, a baffled <laughs> red dead. What, what the fuck I these? don't care what I'm fucking rustling, <laughs> but I'm doing it. I'll rustle anything for you, Dutch. <laughs> I'll rustle, this game. rustle whatever <laughs> the fuck. That, that, is, that is the get that. It's crazy. It's the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's the story. You want you it noticed, rustled, I'll fucking rustle it. You noticed some tutorial because I, I, I miss all the tutorials. No, I obviously didn't notice the tutorial because that's not what they actually said in the game. Uh, but <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> strange game. <laughs> not strange as we made it, though. <laughs> rustle, dustle, redustle. <laughs> <laughs> and with that statement, we've well and truly answered Fuck this, this question. question. <laughs> Rinsed it. Yeah, Good. I was going to say uh, Agent 47 would be another interesting choice for this. He's got a tone, hasn't he? He's but you, you just sound like a certain band of YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Um, next question comes from Simon, who writes, uh, Talk of the new Dune movie has reminded me how much I love the old game set in that universe, and I'd love to see more. So the question is, are there any book, TV, film universes you'd particularly like to see some games set in? But I think we've answered that before, so we yeah. really just want to use this as an excuse to talk about Dune. Yeah. Dune. 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 I never played, I never, <laughs> <laughs> I never played the original, uh, Traffic Adventure. Mm. Did you? It's good. I did. I bet, yeah. I think, was it Westwood or something? Yeah. It was, um, yeah. Well, the, 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 the Traffic Adventure. The no, RTS, the RTS was. RTS was. was. So there, Dune there was too, an yeah. adventure game, which, uh, I think I've got the column mixed up. It can't have been made by Westwood, right? No, I don't think so. Uh, but well, it could have been. But then they, they actually called Dune 2, which was more or less the first in a whole new genre. <laughs> yeah. A sequel to... This, this yeah, adventure game. Uh, the adventure game was wonderful. I I very, like, almost magical yeah. memories of uh, uh, it as a kid. It had amazing music, and it kind of did its best to capture the scope of that world. You could ride a sandworm, and it actually had, like, 
segmented animated bits of the sound drawn to try and create an impression of you know 3d movement through a yeah, plane yeah. like it, it was really ambitious what it was trying to do and you know yeah it's it, yeah. it I, I, I love the book as a kid so any sort of brush with it in a visual form i tell you what i would love amazing. a proper new new game because i love that universe i think it's like yeah, the yeah, first yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, it's not going to happen, I don't think. I don't, I mean, so the, the reason why you can't buy Dune 2 today is that, uh, the estate of Frank Herbert will not allow it because <laughs> they don't feel that it's a, a worthwhile reflection of his oeuvre. And mm. I think with that comes the implication that they're not really into games. Yeah, possibly. And that's not an unreasonable position, to be honest. Like, well, that's the thing. Like yeah. that, you know, I was thinking about it because, like, that was I read that book really young. I, don't, I think I was six or seven when I read Dune. It was mm-hmm. really like one of my formative kind of yeah, things yeah. that stuck in my brain for a long, long time. And um, and I would love like a really. I, I think maybe the question is like, who I would love to make that game? Like, mm. whose Dune game would I love to play? And because my fear would be. It's also a setting that's really easy to cheapen. Mm. Like, I don't want the the Dune game that feels like it has to have sandworms in it, necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh, we've got to have the sandworm boss fight now or something. God, yeah. Um, you know, I, I would want something just sort of in the atmosphere of that universe. Because I feel like if you want, if you want sort of like ridiculous sort of blown out mega Dune, make a Warhammer game. Because... Yeah. Because, God knows because Warhammer is <laughs> blown out Mega Dune. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. um, yeah, if you want you want to do a jihad game, that would be just Warhammer, wouldn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be. Jihad being obviously the what they called the Grand War that happened as a result of the events of the first book. Yes, indeed. Um mm. Yeah, I'd love like uh I don't know what kind of game that is though. Yeah, because you you know, you what on earth game do you I make? Think, but I think it's probably like a gentle four X or something. Honestly, like, a, like, there's like, no gentleness in that fucking game. No, but like, what I mean is like an atmospheric yes. one, like, like the kind of games Amplitude right. makes, like the Endless Legend yeah. in the Space kind of series, like mm. where loads of beautiful art and a kind of intricate kind of, you know, sort of stellar strategy kind of or law driven, yeah, very law driven, weird, yeah, Crusader sort of Kings kind of, of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, God, yeah, Crusader uh, Kings in space, but with the. The yeah, problems of having to deal with the fucking navigators so that you could actually have that interstellar yeah. kind of yeah empire. that'd be my dune game I'd, I'd want to be in those rooms and in, in those places with you those. want to be in the room where it happens <laughs> i want to be in the room with the navigators no it would like <laughs> the uh <laughs> the um i think i i i, cause I watched the david lynch film literally two weeks ago i sort of watch it every year uh because even though it's a total mess and you know famously it was chopped together from like nine hours of stuff and it's basically impossible to fit that book into a two-hour experience anyway uh but there's there's actually so much kind of costume and environmental mm. design in that film that is almost bang on point to how i imagined the book yeah being. yeah uh, and the real thing i want to do in games is is you know being the atreides palace on dune where it's all booby-trapped and you know they're, yeah. they're trying to clear out the yeah. harkonnen and um you're also dealing with wrangling with the political situation with your, your father and their relationship with the emperor. And it, it's, it's, it's such an interesting book. It's, it's like a strange mix, mix of intense politics and also spirituality and a lot of yeah. uh, other elements. And I think the only way you really get to engage with that is 
to be in rooms with people talking about it and you know in an almost kind of see that's why well, you could probably do a, a sort of a, a saying again really but th- a thief game set in that maybe you're an, a, an assassin like going in there but kind of could be a hard kind of assassin yeah, yeah, yeah picking, up, palace. picking that's up a cool angle. Um, yeah intel from the discussions you've well, you, you, like there's so many kind of cool spy games you can make out of that like trying to interrupt the Sardorka drop onto June that happens you know the, yeah. so the, the the Imperial shock troops that uh, they drop to help the Arconan like trying to disrupt that whole yeah. drop like it's fuck that universe Fre- is so fucking cool Fremen survival game yeah yeah Fremen or, yeah damn Sunless Spice <laughs> Sunless Spice <laughs> no, seriously the failed yeah, yeah. format so lots of text stories and kind of like because mm. those games because I was thinking about it like I love the idea of feeling like you're in the room with all the politics and the atmosphere of those spaces but that's something games of tradition you're not very good at yeah. like you break it so easily you right? know what game is that and um but actually a game that I've been playing recently it does reliably conjure the feeling of being in a smoky room as discussions are made is as those games right like I don't know what you're doing in the kind of map layer what you're carting around or mm. doing in the landscape yeah but like traveling from settlement to settlement or even planet to planet like engaging in these sort of little intrigues in a text way and then you know bundling up your resources and kind of going elsewhere yeah that's that's a really good call but have you considered mentat match three (laughs) (laughs) or mountain you know that game where you got the mountain but where you are the planet dune because you're alive you are arrakis yeah very good Gordon Fremen. <laughs> no, that, the Sun of the Skies thing is a really good shout, I think, actually. Yeah, half Spice. All right, half shout. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, Excited about the film, though, and mm. scared about the film. Yeah. I don't want to destroy my childhood and memories, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, there's a lot of precedent recently for that to be bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very good point. Please, yeah. Please don't do a Valerian again. I'll accept... <laughs> Another. Um, Who's doing it? Who is doing it? This the movie. I don't know. I'm busy pouring a beer and can't think right now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's how my brain functions. It's unavailable. My pouring part of my brain is the same as my remembering. It's about Dune. <laughs> I was going to say David Villeneuve because he just seems to take on all those projects, but yeah, that's I'm, not true. I'm sure. It's weird. As soon as you said it, I thought, oh yeah, but the Blade Runner was okay. The new Blade Runner. Film. I did like the new Blade Runner. Yeah, I did enjoy that. All right, next question comes from Chris, who writes, Dear Crates and Bars, while listening to your latest podcast, at this point it's not the latest, so, you know, bear that in mind. Um, I was shocked, nay, outraged to hear you bad-mouthing Bink video. (laughs) (laughs) The only piece of middleware whose honour I will apparently defend. (laughs) Do you even remember what life was like before Bink? (laughs) Watching Ares get stabbed by Sephiroth backwards and upside down <laughs> because Windows 98 didn't come with the exact right video. <laughs> I'm amazed we lived through such barbarism. As to where Bink went, it's still an absolutely bloody everything because of course it is. And now a question. Who would win in a fight between Speed Tree and Havoc? <laughs> Keep on podding a deeply ashamed man. <laughs> This, I think, That's is a more interesting and deep question, question than it's possibly was even intended to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because if you think about it, you've got a, uh, a, a, a fight between absolute, but rather sedate profligacy, like uh, infinite trees, as much trees as you want. Mm. If you want trees, you'll have them and very fast. <laughs> um, versus 
the principle of sort of dynamis- dynamism itself, or at the very least, the principle of putting something on one end of a seesaw and the other end going up. But does not a tree become... How can a tree fall havoc? without havoc physics? That's exactly. exactly. That's the exactly. They can't die without each other. Yeah. It's sort of beautiful. Oh, my yeah. God. Symbiosis. How do we... But if you have too many trees, the whole thing's going to crash, right? Because mm. the physics engine can't handle it. Too much. So... Does is- a tree fall in the forest if there's no havoc? No. Unless you have, a, how can yeah, it? Unless you have your That's own physics, a bespoke animation solution. system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. someone has but to that, hand does, animate that. But but maybe Speed Tree provides this service. Don't know. Does a does a tree things. spin on the spot infinitely <laughs> quickly and spring up into space if there's no havoc? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. um, like, I think havoc wins. Because I like the going. I see. I feel like what we've actually just described is a sort of quasi-defined, like a dichotomy where you have to have both. But like they're like chaos gods. Like you have this sort of endless growth tempered by both by dynamism and and the ability for things to sort of spang off each other. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be happy if trees were still just. Uh, 2D sketches that rotated towards you as you yeah. walk past them. In yeah, the trees and yeah. spectators in racing games. Yeah. And, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then uh, I'd rather it, trees were like that, as long as I could still throw stuff at things, uh, which is what Havoc for, you know, allows, mm. you know, famously allows us to do. So, so, so Havoc wins. Havoc. Mm. And what's your point? <laughs> <laughs> what is your point? What's the point of you? What's your damage? <laughs> Um, oh God, I don't know if I can call this one. I think, I think we are all suspended in the kind of, <laughs> in the sort of liminal zone between the conflict between the Speed Tree and Havoc. Conflict. Yeah. The desire to grow versus the desire to throw something. And <laughs> Bink lidlessly observed yeah. the plays all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I think Bink is just a very funny word. I think, <laughs> as much as anything, that's why we rag on it, really. Yeah. I, 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 I did look them up when like a while ago like a, a, quite a long time ago i thought who the fuck are they and I'm like i think that they're a very small studio like sort of like i had this picture in my head of mm. like a very work a day kind of place because it's, it's called bink i think it was in pittsburgh <laughs> or something like really sort of bland place. i can't remember where it was <laughs> Dunk up like, so, sorry pittsburgh but um but like just a, a fairly nondescript place i seem to remember and like they must be just raking it in raking it in mm. <laughs> I had this picture of very earthy kind of like people. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Very earthy. You've, you've written bink fan fiction here, Alex. <laughs> Just imagine it though. Like, you know, you've got, you've it's got like, the earth types. They're yeah. harvesting raw it's, bink and they never see the true, <laughs> the true value of their labor. They're out there in the bink mines going in. <laughs> no pal. video, no graph of power from this. like cinnamon. Without their, <laughs> Exactly. Their labor. They just rub it through their fingers. They're kind of well, they're calloused. <laughs> the bink must hands. flow. <laughs> exactly. The, the bink must flow. <laughs> <laughs> and then descending upon them. He who controls the bink <laughs> controls the universe. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You've got, you've got fucking Baron Kotick kind of. <laughs> Swanning in, <laughs> hoping to control the pink. <laughs> I think the reason there's a link between the pink and the worms. What could it be? The worms in this analogy are video games' desire to be cinema. Is this an analogy? Where, what, where are we at? This is, I don't know. Someone draw me a map. I think we're in documentary land. I think, I think. probably you. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh this is why I'll never be Jason Schreier. <laughs> 
Um, uh, what was the question? <laughs> I don't know. I think we've yeah, done wins in a fight between Havoc and Speed Trip. I think we got okay, two votes yeah. for, for, for two Whoever votes wins for Havoc. Wins. Havoc, wins. Uh, Havoc, good job, Havoc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yay for Bink, I suppose. <laughs> I feel like Bink exists outside of this conflict because Bink represents games desire to sometimes be a film. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, yeah. There's and that's a time why it'll never be not uh, funny. There's a time when um, <laughs> Bink videos, as we said, we said in the previous podcast, I think, is that they were so far beyond the graphical capabilities of the actual game. Yeah, I've heard we've got a question about this later on, I think. Oh, so they actually realised the fantasy of the game in a, you know, more lavish way. And that was why you'd kind of strive for it. Try to see those, see those big yeah, in fact, In fact, the next question is from Henry, who writes, Dear Crank and Crowbar, in the early years of the medium games, use non-interactive pieces of art as in-game rewards for player progression. A text adventure would show you a picture once in a while to keep you motivated. Later games, you use pre-rendered or live-action video clips. I fondly remember how I couldn't wait to finish a, a Command & Conquer Red Alert mission just to enjoy a few seconds of a CGI submarine. Nowadays, any kind of art is available anywhere and all the time. So I guess this reward system doesn't work anymore. Or does it? keep putting those casts henry um so yeah it's basically that point right like mm. once upon a time you uh bink was you swell, you swell with enthusiasm to see the bink logo at the beginning of the game as you <laughs> among the other publisher logos because it means this game contains treats yes yeah. this game contains nuggets of movie that i can consume mm. as a reward for and now we just game. we just blithely click past the bink yeah Exactly. Well, I mean, sometimes it's not even the bink. Sometimes it's an in-engine cutscene uh, because mm. we can be shown any image we desire at all times in this, yeah. like, reverse panopticon. I think it, that that reward still does exist. It's kind of, it, it, yeah, it's about real time. It's about the vista now, I think, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> like it's about a two, three-generation-old uh, version of Windows. It is. <laughs> and you know what they said? You can't bink a vista. <laughs> <laughs> Bink wouldn't run on Whisper. 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 <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, the nice bungee skybox, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. That's, but that's, I remember very viscerally the feeling of yeah. exactly this, actually, like wanting to yeah. get to next Commander Conquer cutscene. Mm. Yeah. Yep, 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 um, yep. That's because you just fancied the, it, the, the, it is, yeah. the lady one. Well, uh, <laughs> the lady submarine. The lady commando submarine. <laughs> I used to, uh, uh, you know, that's why I wanted to unlock all the old Tekken videos and the old early Tekken games. So I want to see that yeah. big video of King and really enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to see the the amazing endings to Mortal Kombat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Like, I'd love to unpick why it feels like a treat to get to see like the the bad cutscene because things are, you know. Mm. But it did. Like, seeing the ending is like was a genuine thing. That... But then again, like if you think about like the the, the paltry treats that you're handed out, like like chicken nuggets. Ape- um apex legends Sorry. like you 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 know you level up you get the, the 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 box thing and you get your little three treats one of the like it's yeah. a green gun like that it's surely the level of, of remarkableness is is lower than a bink video <laughs> That's a question you, for the ages. Let's put that right. to our, I mean, I guess, our listeners. See, cause I would, is it? I would, I would put that differently. People like everything. And so almost anything's a reward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's about scare. Well, it's, it's like I've earned this. It, therefore, it? it's probably mm. good, isn't it? Well, if, yeah. Like, if you just say, hey, hey, if you do this thing for three hours, I'm going to show you a big video. Work. Work it. Like that. And you, you will. Yeah, I will. Yeah. And you'll 
fucking love that pink video yeah it feels like a, yeah maybe it's just the thing is, is playing a video game can provide you with a sense of ownership over literally any old shit mm, that's true <laughs> Like yeah, did. that's the thing about the green gun skin is that, yeah. that, you know, at least you get to keep that for the rest of the game. Every time you pick up that shotgun, it's going to be that weird green fucking horrible paint scheme that you unlocked that one time. Are you saying that the ultimate, the ultimate prize in games is, is to basically win <laughs> <laughs> just running around like What's a, bink a huge you? environment being <laughs> shot by up to a hundred other people and you're just wearing bink videos playing ult- like endlessly on your body. Oh, just old clips of <laughs> David Lynch's June <laughs> plastered all over you. <laughs> this is what I am. <laughs> yes. Yes, is my answer. Sure. <laughs> Next question comes from Ryland, who writes, Hello, Magic Cardigans and Lasagna Lovers. On the last pod, Pip mentioned Valve getting Richard Garfield. I heard this as getting rich or Garfield. My question is, if you were to make a game like F. Mary Kill that began Get Rich, Garfield, or something, what would the last word be? Thank you so much for the pod. I know this is gibberish, but oh well. Ryland. You see, I feel like the question, I mean, it's a, it's a reasonable question that I don't know how to answer. The question I want to answer is, Tom, Hello. would you rather be rich or Garfield? <laughs> <laughs> I can't lie. Just want to be rich. Okay, interesting. Or Alex? Richard, at least. Alex? <laughs> um, uh, I, th- I think if Garfield was a normal cat, I would say Garfield, but Garfield is Garfield and has, is, is kind of cursed with knowledge. <laughs> Just cursed a, generally. A bit of knowledge of his existence and yeah. therefore is for, or forever unhappy. So therefore I go for rich. Okay. Cause is Garfield I... the one that likes marmalade or the one that likes honey? He's the one that likes lasagna. Yeah, oh, he likes lasagna. <laughs> you did. It was the left field. You, is it the you trick to being a, that was Winnie the Pooh and uh, Paddington. Is it Paddington? Oh, yeah, the yeah. trick to being a cartoon <laughs> character is to like one particular type of food it and is, have that define your identity. Yeah. The thing is, I'm not just saying this because I ate a lasagna tonight, but I think I might go for Garfield. And mm. I think I think that's because the thing we've established. I like that we've gone on this arc from here are the evils of of late capitalism <laughs> expressed through American corporate culture and the things that are possible that actually be and genuinely ruin people's lives to. Here's why I think this cat is a better, this cartoon cat is a better model for your ambitions than just the concept of wealth. But the reason is Garfield knows what he does and doesn't like. Money can't get you that. Money just simply gets you the means to make mistakes and to make yourself unhappy and to tie yourself up in a system that wounds other people. If you just like lasagna and hate Mondays, you know exactly where you are in the world for the short span of your cat life. I think I quite, I find that kind of soothing. Yeah. I wish you didn't have to live with a dipshit. That's my... (laughs) (laughs) It might be two dipshits, actually. There's two dipshits. Yeah. Well, maybe Garfield... Dog. dog There's a dog. Oh, yeah, the dog's a fucking dipshit as well. (laughs) I'd like to be Richard Garfield. Yeah. I'd like to be him, that man. Yeah. (laughs) You'd be good. You found the third way. <laughs> it's the third way. It's a centrist way. Found the answer, Tom. <laughs> I'd rather be Magic the Gathering creator Richard Garfield. I'd rather be Magic the Gathering creator Richard. Garfield. I feel like any game of Rich or Garfield ends when someone invokes Richard Garfield. Okay. <laughs> 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 and thus, uh, Tom's won. Uh, we well will be back. Thank you, man. Thank you. Back for oh, the um, first next ever. round of uh, Rich or Garfield <laughs> next week. Um, James writes, Hi, C&C. 
I just wanted to say that Chris is not alone. I too believed that Centre Parks was entirely covered by a dome. <laughs> uh, when did you when did you you utter this my last episode to you what did you <laughs> oh wow i think i must have uh, written that out of my oh. my fiance ridiculed me at length when i revealed this last year <laughs> age 35 <laughs> a quick google reveals that we aren't the only ones clearly center park's advertising was dangerously misleading sincerely <laughs> dangerously james dangerously. Uh, yeah you picked the same word i did <laughs> <laughs> what what da- i need to know what did you do i was what so disappointed do? that there wasn't a dome that i built one and suffocated everybody we came work with no clothes i took us we <laughs> thought we'd be covered <laughs> We took it out on the Innocent Eden project. <laughs> I perhaps embarked on some kind of like vast Bioshocky and folly. Like if it could not be built within my society, then I would find a place where you could build dome center parks. And then lots of people died there for some reason. <laughs> There's an image, an image of it, like a, a very small allotment in Bath that someone's just built a dome over and is running a small but terrifying society within it. <laughs> and that belongs to me in five years' time. That's a good plan. I love these facts that you don't think you don't know until you realise that you've not thought about them. <laughs> yeah. Our final uh, question comes from Rock Tart, um, who writes, Why is it so cold? My PC is supposed to keep me warm. How can I get it to make more heat? A topical question. 3D mark or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> benchmark that bastard <laughs> to the next level. Just Jeremy benchmark all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a benchmark and then once you benchmark the benchmark, bench that shit to the fucking next level. Make sure it's just about to Molten die. Molten metal. Molten uh, PC inside. Yeah. Yeah, this is probably the techiest question we've had for a while. And I, we answered it the techiest possible way. Yeah, exactly. Um, Just rig up a big rig- OC. <laughs> Not original character from a fanfic, but uh, an overclock. Overclock, yeah. Overclock it um, in your BIOS. <laughs> Everything he's saying is actually correct i think you can overclock that by a bios you can yeah it's, no it's not a stupid thing i was about to say um yeah you what you well, visit you, quite a few websites yeah just what you should one do after the play other. crisis on max settings uh-huh. and uh with uh, and, and just lie windows. underneath your pc like yeah. get in under a duvet pc in there with you crisis do you, do you kind of wrap your body around it like sort of put it against your yeah, chest you and have then just to sort of wrap your legs and arms you have it. to you have to dive on it like you're diving on a grenade to save uh a commanding officer Is there an in a optimal, war like way up that it goes do you have like an exhaust it depends on the nature of your case in your face mm. which part of your body would, mm. do you well are we talking about a tower from? case a midi case a mini case a maxi case i didn't know you were so techy a, a square case a round case, an Xbox. <laughs> Get that water cooling out there, out of it. Yeah, you rip it out. Just, just drink, drink it. Just drink, drink it. Yeah, first of all, drink it. First of all, drink that delicious hot shit. You bring and it then, open. then enjoy. It's only good for the first eighty seconds after you open it, so you have to drink it all. It's down it. So then you piss into it, and then you drink that. Why not, Alex? Well, that's for later. Yeah, and then um, what you do is take your RBG, uh, RGB, even. 
uh, peripherals. And then you might not know this, but there's actually like a setting above the maximum brightness that is just death. <laughs> death set. So set those. To de- and also just stuff them down your shirt, your mouse mat. I think again, you can also mat. get a good tan. Well. I mean, you'll you'll die first, but you know the tan will come. <laughs> but to answer your earlier question, you you want to avoid the fan because obviously fans make things colder. Um, mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that also you, it might you might get sucked into it. Yeah, um, like a Boeing. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> hey, the question invited this sort of nonsense. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, huh. Good. I think we've been quite helpful. No, that's as, as yeah. destructive as you can be with the PC. Really. Yeah, don't do any of the things we just said. No, God, and we're definitely. Do thank God, I got public liability insurance last week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like we need a disclaimer. Yeah, please don't, don't, don't do. Don't anything. piss into your computer. Don't do what you. I, I still. I wasn't going to dig deeper into that because I didn't quite understand the logic of it. But you know, I'm very conscious that we opened this question section by saying happy birthday to someone really late. And have ended it by giving terrible <laughs> advice, which makes me wonder that we're wandering into podcast territory that's very much claimed and yeah, should leave. Yeah, it's reasonable. It's <laughs> reasonable. Um, if you'd like to send us a question for a future episode of The Crate and Crowbar, you can, of course, do so. And mm. why not do so? By emailing us at questionsincrateandcrowbar.com. You can also tweet us at Crate and Crowbar. Thanks very much to our Patreon backers uh, who make this nonsense possible and thus take responsibility for it. <laughs> it's on you for the advice you, you just given. Uh, if you'd like to shoulder that yourself, uh, you can find out more by visiting patreon.com forward slash crate and crowbar. Mm. We're on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash crate and crowbar, I guess. Uh, that's it for that. Oh yeah, Discord exists and is lovely. And you should visit our Discord channel because it's full of very nice people. Mm. You can find the link for that on our website at crate and crowbar.com. It's right up there in the, uh, in the bar. In the bar. If you'd like to follow us individually, um on twitter.com you can do that as well tom i'm at pcg ludo i don't really tweet but follow me anyway why not yeah you never know (laughs) you never know a rare drop might occur Hmm. alex Uh, i'm at rotational r-o-t-a-t-i-o-n-a-l but i'm also not tweeting very much because i'm really busy at the moment yeah and i'm at c thurston which is c-t-h-u-r-s-t-e-n and i also almost never tweet (laughs) maybe we should just like swap these out of the Social medias that we actually use, but I don't really have one. I don't really have one either. I've just got Instagram. It's good. An incredible note went on. <laughs> Thanks for Thanks. listening, <laughs> I suppose. 